The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. As we check our levels on my sound effects. <laughs> yeah, I had to turn this down here a little bit also, but mm-hmm. this is... The Comic Book Chronicles. And I know that kind of didn't come out right, but that's fine. I am your host. Good. good, good. I am your right. host, Roddy Cats. Right. And you can find me. Okay, that's weird. There we go. You can find me on Twitter at Roddy Cat. You can find me at News News Need at Roddy Cat. Uh, excuse me. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Co-hosting from the BK. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, we go hard. Tweet gone. <clears throat> you can find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network at CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your uh, the, the podcast browser place of choice, whether it be, well, as far as, well, Google Play, Apple iTunes, uh, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and leave us all the good five star reviews. You can also find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Click Nation's YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash the Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Again, please like and subscribe and make sure to click the notification button so you know when we are on. And also leave us all the good reviews. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Uh, folks, we got a packed show tonight, so we're going to go briskly into the uh, spoiler-free slash light uh, recap of this week's uh, She-Hulk episode, which is called Just Jen. Yes. Yes. So, uh, guess what, folks? It is a self-contained wedding episode. That's probably the biggest spoiler I'm going to drop. So I will let Roddy Cat uh, continue here because I know he has a particular point he wants to make. But if you need me to, I will continue. 
Yeah, so I won't, like I said, yeah, there, there's not too much I will do, uh, go into because of the fact that it comes out on Thursdays, uh, so we don't want to spoil it for folks. And the fact that it's a wedding episode doesn't really necessarily give away anything particular. Right. Um, so that's, and the wedding is the A plot. Although, um, slightly relatedly, the B plot has to do with uh, some some shenanigans back at the office with, um, and not really shenanigans, but basically a divorce case that Mallory Book and um, and uh, Nikki are dealing with. With one, it's a divorce. I was about to say it's a hold hold that thought. Sure, it's a divorce ahead. case that is way more complicated than meets the eye. Yes, I think that's the best way we can put it. You know what? And it involves a character that Roddickhead is about to talk about. Yes, and the the character that uh, that uh, the, the divorce is surrounding is a person of let's say less of obs- not necessarily obscure notes, but let's face it, he's not one that kind of comes to mind um when you think of, of Marvel characters. In fact, I know probably at least one or two people who will probably be up over the moon over seeing this character if, if, if once they figure out who that is, because even though they say it right now, because there are some people who are fans of this stupid Great Lakes Adventures. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they, they're out there. Yes. They're, they're, you know, there they're, are fans of the Great Lakes Adventures out there. There are. Um, in fact, so the only thing that... So I, I mentioned that because I'm going to say the character's name, and it's not probably the one that most po- people may possibly think about uh, when. Yeah, it's not the stretchy guy. No, well, no, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was thinking about Squirrel Girl. But um, although oh, I kind okay. of wonder, I, I kind of wonder if we do get to see. I would like to see. Hey, hey, Marvel! I know you got the stuff already set in already, but if you have a, um, a Milana Van Tribe, uh, Tribe uh, Squirrel Girl uh, thing coming up in She Hulk. I would appreciate it. Thank you very much. Because I know they're not doing anything with that um, that Squirrel Girl show. <laughs> that, was, that would be great. I'd be uh, happy to see Milana Weintraub right. on, on the show. That would I think, be cause, awesome. Again, because when I saw this uh, this other character, um, uh, I was like, okay. I, I, at first, I was upset about it because basically it means that the GLA is in the MCU over the, the wackos, which I told, which uh, I discussed with uh, Agent 70 before the show. So that kind of had me slightly in, uh, um, upset. You know, not like big time but it was like really this is this some bullshit like these has been what not never was been <laughs> are potentially in the in the MCU and the wackos aren't even in there but that's that's you know neither here nor that's not so but yeah if we get a squirrel girl sighting in, in the midst of the She-Hulk thing that's that'll be pretty good I don't know if they thought that far ahead because we know they said there was supposed to be a few more people popping in right Right. So, so wait, are we? I forget the the episode count now because we are in episode six. So there's only what two or three more? There's nine total, right? I'm not. Sure. I think that's the case. I'm not sure right. actually. So we're really in the home stretch. Right. Right. So we are in the home stretch of She-Hulk. So we will see where this goes over the next three weeks. And I guess that makes sense given what happens at the end, which there was no um, uh, after after uh, mid credits uh, scene again. So I'm kind of wondering if what we thought about last week is, was going to be the case or they're just leaving it to the last like minute or so of the show to kind of take care of that. Right. I, 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 I started to see. Oh, without spoiling. Mm-hmm. Right. Without spoiling. I had a feeling they might tease a character's involvement 
who we were all surprised to hear about mm-hmm. during D23. I'll leave it at that. Because there is a group that, that it gets mentioned in the course of this show that they have had some dealings with. Yes. Right. And I feel like that's where this, that's where, you know, and it makes perfect sense for mm-hmm. that character to first appear here as a teaser. Mm-hmm. Going into, uh, that uh, announcement at D23 and I will leave this is this is us not spoiling this because this literally dropped today right so you know the day of our recording so we're not going to spoil it but you know I think both myself Cat, and most of the MCU fandom that is familiar with the comic books had you know were, were slightly surprised at the idea that this character would actually be quote introduced Right. The way they 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 were supposedly going to be, but I have a feeling we're going to get a cameo introduction, right? Or more, you know? Maybe it'll be a lot like um, Kang in Loki, possibly. You know, where we get like a full episode with the character before they appear in a movie proper. Or given that we're probably coming up to the end of the series, probably maybe two. Like, we'll get introduced right. to them at the end of the, the eighth, and then the ninth ones will be like, all right, here's what we got, and then, you know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see, because at the end of the day, there's a couple of storylines that could be in play. Mm-hmm. You know, and they might all intertwine, because, believe it or not, there is an inquiry made about what is going on with Bruce Banner in this episode. Yes. Yes, there is. So, so, you know, like I like I said, th- you know, these are minor spoilers. We're not really spoiling any plot stuff, but we're just keeping everyone apprised of, you know, where certain things stand right. going through the sixth episode. Yep, yep. And that's pretty much how we'll 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 keep that right there. So, like yes. the show just came out, so we'll just kind of push on from there. But like I said, it, it was for for the episode what it was, it was all right. But the one the I guess the big thing for me personally was the that one character that the the B plot was surrounding around. Right. So. All right. Um, oh, we also get, well, not necessarily character development, but we get some, we get a couple of um, little tidbits about a, um, one of the side characters. Poss- well, yeah, two, I would say, but one specifically, we get a little bit more, a little bit more background goes to what, in, to what that entails. And I don't think that kind of follows their comic book part. I'm pretty fact, matter of fact, I'm fairly certain it doesn't, but nevertheless, it, you know, right, a little bit right. Of I was about to say without spoiling, well, actually, you know, like it would spoil a little right. bit. Like one of the surprises in the episode is one of the, the it was one of the main antagonists in the episode. So I don't want to talk about that. That was just a that was an interesting surprise. Yeah. So we'll say, we'll leave it at that. Now then, we are going to kind of briskly uh, talk about the first three episodes of Star Wars Andor. Right. So I think just general impressions, this is something that, you know, I heard, I I thought of immediately myself, but I heard uh, other podcasts mention this story. The Andor story owes a debt of gratitude to screenwriter Tony Gilroy, who is behind you know, behind the the screenplay of the 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 first three Bourne movies, Michael Clayton, um, Rogue One. Obviously, you know, Rogue One is is instrumental in the in in the in the in the production. The whole reason of you know for being of this of this series. So, uh, so ultimately, I think that um, 
the 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 origin of this story right which is an which is in and of itself an origin story it really is um pretty much but yeah. you know like that particular double entendre there really means a lot because you know like there's a lot of meaning behind that because tony gilroy really gives the story heft and really Im- imbues a lot of depth in the characters you know, without us even having to like get any sort of exposition, we just know. We can just sense how these characters, you know, the the history that some of these characters have with each other, just based on their interactions and based on some of the the things that happen in the story, in the flow of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think cut. that really that really reflects a strong writer and a, a writer that has a very deep well of understanding and knowledge of writing a good espionage thriller and that's what we're getting here we're getting a a lot of great espionage work in andor take it away yep 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 indeed and it makes sense so we got the first three episodes uh all out and it kind of plays out like that's how they need it to be uh, because from the start of the first uh, uh, episode to the end of the last one, you get a sense of you get a bigger, better sense of partially where this is going, but where the how the character is being built. Like we seen we seen in Rogue One, we already got that part. We but as 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 people have been saying, is it's a journey from here to there, and the the way they have the the first three episodes um, already out there kind of starts that journey and like he just 70 says like yeah the way that the scenes were kind of cut together and, and put into each other <clears throat> excuse me kind of kind of builds that uh properly in a way that you know as, as much as i hate to say it they definitely did better with flashbacks than book of boba fett yeah i didn't mind book of boba fett, the way the uh, book of boba fett handled flashbacks that much but it got to be a bit much i will say right the way they do it here it makes total sense. Right. I mean, in, in Boba Fett, they tried to construct a reason to have the flashbacks. Right. And I think that's where a lot of the awkward storytelling choices were made. Mm-hmm. Right? Whereas here, it's literally just part of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like we're meant to see, like, literally the origin of this character. Right. The title character. And... You know, and it's it's interwoven, and that's what's appreciated, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, those are storytelling choices. That's the writer and the director, you know, coordinating, you know, how to tell the story. So, you know, I give, you know, Tony Gilroy a lot of credit. I know that he was actually uh, set to direct a bunch of these episodes, but he stepped aside, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and in favor of another director. Right. But he's obviously the writer for, if not the bulk of these episodes, at least the pilot and the first two or three. Mm-hmm. So do we know how many, uh, cause I can't remember. Do we know how many episodes we're getting in total? Um, I have. Looking at IMDb, the IMDb. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the IMDb, but this is just for Tony Gilroy. So I think it's 12 episodes. That sounds about right. But, so. Uh, it looks like he wrote right so so yeah so so episodes 1 to 3 1 through 3 are were written by Tony Gilroy but we won't get uh Tony Gilroy back until 
11 and 12, which is the ending. So I guess he knows where the story goes. Mm. And the middle is where other writers stepped in and filled in some of the uh, the gaps. Right. And I guess that's the other part of this is like we know where the story ends, which is Rogue One. So I am very I would be very I will be very curious once we get to the end of this to see where that ends up, you know, in relation to it. So and uh, unlike other uh, Star Wars projects, we have a definite timeline. um, Well, we have a, a definite time frame of when this is set, put it that way. Like others, you can kind of infer where they, where they come through at based on what happening. This one, we have a definitely a definite date. Right. Yeah. So it's supposed to be 12 episodes. Okay. So yeah, we already got three out of the way. So, and they're coming out every Wednesday night as opposed to, you know, which is the normal Disney plus thing. But of course, you know, like I said, like we said last week, she kind of got out of the way of that for, for whatever odd reason. Which still doesn't make any sense, but we're you know we're not going to beat that horse too many more, more times, right? So, but otherwise, that I will definitely say impression well, it's a good strong start, and I'm hoping that it kind of keeps that. Um, which I don't see any reason why it won't, but you know it's still kind of early to tell why it won't keep that same momentum. If if the if the if the writing and the directing keeps uh, as, as strong as it has so far, it is definitely like not it is not your Star Wars as Star Wars, you know. You will not find the, the the regular trappings that you would have that you would find in other uh, Star Wars projects. Yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, if you don't realize that this is a prequel series to Rogue One, <clears throat> and there's going to be very little Jediing, right? Um, you but know, you know, some people are going to probably expect it because of you know, yeah, whatever. because of, because of the because of the overall arching mm-hmm. the, the overarching story. I get mm-hmm. it. So, all right, but yeah. Make sure, you know, check it out at your leisure. Um, please, please do. We definitely, I, I enjoyed it. I, oh yeah, I had, totally. I, like I said, I really enjoyed the storytelling. I thought it was so solid. And, you know, I guess it's just a sign of getting a little older uh, and, and, and just wiser and just being more attuned to the needs, the, the storytelling needs. Right. Because, ladies and gentlemen, and folks in the audience, um, we grew up on like a lot of single episode, like episode of the week type shows. And Prestige TV was came a little bit later in life and I didn't jump mm-hmm. on it right away because I didn't subscribe to HBO. Right? So this is much more in line with prestige style style television. Yeah. Where there is a long story being told over the course of ten to twelve episodes. And you know, the writing is what carries the writing and the acting are what carry those types of series. And I think so far, you know, and shout out to her name is Bix, right? Yes. The friend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, man, we should we, we should talk after the after the show, because there's a couple of yeah, things I do want to mention. Wait, wait, I was say, I'm looking for the right sound effect. Um, uh, uh. You know, like without being too, too misogynistic. <laughs> yeah, when I saw her, I was like, "Should you get the popcorn?" <laughs> I was like, "All right, Bix, I see you." Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm like, "Thank you, thank you, Toby from the West Wing for that one." 
you know, like I said, trying not to be too much of a misogynist here. I was like, all right, all right. Should you get the popcorn? You know, that might be our code word, our co- our code sound effect from now on. You are so silly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm but like, yes. okay, Vix. Mm-hmm. I you know see what? I'm you. not even gonna lie. I I, I, I I know where you're going with that, and yeah, I was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> but also actually i mean I, I assume we're still going to see more of that character but oh you know what we could solid. also use this hello there there we go yes is that, 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 actually, that might be even better actually yes right i think <laughs> i think that one works i think this is what we're going to use as a code for for that hello there there we go <laughs> so silly uh, but yeah, that but that being said, like I said, um, Star Wars Anders is out there in three episodes. Catch it, you know. Tell us what you think in the comments or, or whatever the case may be. You know, um, how you feel about it? Like I said, there's a couple of things I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up too. In fact, I know for a fact that if you are listening to this show after the fact, say after Saturday or so, you might and you follow me, you might see a couple of the other impressions that I kind of scheduled to not to spoil things about uh, a couple of things that happened in the episodes. So there you go. Sounds good. That's All what right. scheduling tweets are for, is for. Exactly. Um, that's right. <laughs> you can schedule from the past to, to, to the future or from the future to the past, whatever the case may be. Either way. All right. Agent 70 is going to flip a coin and talk about either rings of power and, or um, house of the dragons. Yeah. First, no need House to, of no need first. To, yeah, I was about to say, no need to flip a coin. I'm just going to go in uh, release order. So I'm okay. always going to start with uh, Rings of Power. So uh, last week's Rings of Power episode is episode four, and it was titled The Great Wave. And I have to remind everyone that I am not familiar with the Silmarillion or any of the other, like, you know, outside of, you know, any of the other uh, Tolkien books that are outside of the Hobbit and the ring trilogy. Right. So a lot of this stuff is old hat to the people that read like the indices or the indexes, Um, you know, indices is the plural of index. Right. But ultimately I like the way they are developing the story. We do not necessarily touch base with every group of characters that we've been introduced to thus far in this episode. And I like that. I like that we're not having to spend, you know, a few minutes on every group. You know, there's actually a group here in uh, that we've been following that's completely ignored in this episode. And I like that for the betterment of the other stories. Right. So I like that, you know, they are making conscious decisions to, you know, uh, let one story lay, I don't want to say fallow, but just let, you know, let it lay quiet or let it lay quietly until the next week to let some of these other stories breathe. And the other stories that are breathing right now are literally the whole concept behind this show. Remember, this show is titled The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. And we're meant to understand that this is all about the four, like everything that leads up to the forging of the rings of power. Right. And, and as I've said it before, uh, if you're not familiar with that story, you may want to go to fellowship of the ring and listen to Kate Blanchett tell you that story at the beginning of the movie. So, 
Uh, that's all I'll say. We, you know, there's plenty of, you know, I've said this before. There are plenty of names that get dropped. There are plenty of places that you heard of during the fellowship trilogy, you know, the, the, the rings trilogy and, you know, certain fates befell these places in this history that we are now exploring. So, um, ultimately we're going to see how all of that stuff happened. I am really enjoying this. It's really a wonder to behold some of the, some of the, the shots that are in, uh, rings of power. You know, I actually enjoy just kind of watching it just to look at, you know, the, the vistas and the camera work, even though the vast majority of it is CGI. We know that there are some scenes that are not, you know, much like they were in the rings trilogy under Peter Jackson. A lot, some of that stuff is very real. So, um, I recommend this. I don't think Roddy cat has, has touched this yet, but I would hope that he does at some point. Actually, that's what I was going to say um, in, in closing is that, one, I had actually intended to this week, but with, you know, like Andor and, and Shiok and some of the other stuff uh, going about this week, I was like, I didn't get a chance to do it before the show. But I absolutely um, plan to, to hit up the shows to check them Listen, out. Listen, Andor killed my evening yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, I watched you know, Andor and Shiok back to back. Andor killed my evening yesterday. Like yesterday, the Mets lost in the afternoon so i did not have any baseball to watch at night Mm -hmm. so it was literally three straight episodes of andor before going to bed and not that it killed you know i don't mean that in a bad way it's just that that was that just took out your night my evening exactly that's what took up my evening right and she hulk was uh a lunchtime and late and early evening finish up for me today gotcha Uh, and i'm gonna say um before before we go on that um so the the whole the storytelling thing that you were talking about is kind of not new because as you know you know prestige television kind of had kind of does that especially if it's an ensemble cast kind of does right. that kind of stuff where it just kind of goes from group to group to group to group and South Parkers kind of did it like from way back in the day so uh, right. it's not a new thing but a well executed use of it is pretty good like I said like you said um, skipping a certain group of people from now to come back to them later to give them a little bit more thing it's kind of a, a, a soap opera thing in itself anyway so right. Right, right. But it's a, it's always appreciated because, at, at least from my perspective, to give some stories more room to breathe. Exactly. So that's sometimes that's you know that's a directorial choice. Sometimes and sometimes it's a writing choice. So mm-hmm. you know I just appreciate the fact that we didn't have to touch on all of the groups that we've been following thus far in this in the fourth uh, fourth episode. Right. Cool. So. Uh, now we move on to House of the Dragon in, a t- in, a, in an episode titled Light the Way, or We Light the Way. And if you have been keeping up with House of the Dragon, this is, what, the fifth episode? So, yeah, this is the fifth episode. Guess what, folks? It's a wedding. And if you have been following game of thrones at all weddings do not end well in the world of game of thrones and (laughs) that is essentially what happens here like characters are literally falling apart in front of us like literally falling apart um we have characters who literally get their face punched off because the puncher is punching with an armored gauntlet fist Hmm. to an exposed face 
Is it just me? Or that's kind of, it's kind of early for that. Oh, it feels mm-hmm. kind of early for that, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it's the fifth episode. I think there's only eight total. I want to oh, say there's only okay. eight total. Okay. Of this first season. Right. But, you know, I'll have to look that up. But ultimately. Um, but I'm saying, but yeah. I was thinking, it didn't the original version of what you're describing happen like probably a, a season or two in, or at least near the end of? But again, I guess. Oh, the wedding thing? Yeah. Well, I think. I think ultimately it, it ties into the story a little bit better okay. because the wedding here is all, you know, like the, the, because it's, remember this story is about palace intrigue and the opening storylines really center on the line of succession. Mm. And so there are machinations put into play that affect the lines of succession and part of the, you know, part of the schemes to affect the lens of succession involve setting up marriages of like power players, you know, uh, you know, powerful families, you know, very much in that, you know, Game of Thrones type vein. Gotcha. You know, um, so wait, so I, I apologize. House of the Dragon of, uh, apparently consists of 10 episodes. So we are halfway through now. Okay. Solid. So, and that's it for House of the Dragon. Um, that you know, there's there's there, there's going to be a time jump. That's the last thing I will say. There's going to be a time jump. We're actually going to we we bid goodbye to two actresses in this episode because they played the younger version of characters. And after the time jump that's going to occur between episodes five and six, we're going to encounter them in as older characters. So they're going to be portrayed by older actresses. Okay, gotcha. Well, stay tuned for that, folks, unless you're already watching it, in which you will have seen it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So then that's it for our TV recap. Cool. So we're going to push over into the books of the week. We're going to transition over. Do, do, do. And we're going to start with uh, AXC Judgment Day as I walk through the Valley of Death, uh, number five. Yeah, definitely. So AXE Judgment Day number five is written by Kieran Gillen with art by Valerio Skidi. Colors are by Marte Gracia and letters are by VCs Clayton Cowles. So let me pull this up unless you have unless you're ready to jump right in. Um, so I will say that, um, going into this issue, um, knowing Agent 70 enough the way I do, I was, as I told him before the shows, uh, uh, before the show started, like, huh, I don't think he was going to like the the one thing that happens at the beginning of this, but then the, the issue and the writer, uh, apparently redeemed themselves in, uh, <laughs> in Agent 70's eyes with what happens right. at the end. Not right, right, right. Away. You know, it's it's seen as blasphemy by one of the Krakoans, <laughs> but I really enjoyed uh, the arc that this character that the character takes. You know, and if you've been keeping up with our our our, our reviews of uh, AXE Judgment Day, I'm specifically referring to uh, one Steve Rogers, and uh, you know, there, there's you know, kind of a classic bit of 
rallying that needs to be done at the beginning of the issue. Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't come from the characters you expect though. You know, one is a, a random bystander, which is nice, and the other is a character who doesn't have the most history with Cap, but he's got some. Yes. Yes. You know, enough familiarity. And so, you know, that, you know, that rallying was, was, was crucial. And, uh, there are a, a couple of really nice splash pages here. I, 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 I was going to mention one. Yeah. It's see Roddy Katz, uh, a note on this. I want, I'll let you talk about that now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a, a page 12 has a nice, uh, splash, splash, splash page of, um, a gang of characters going into action, including some, well, at least one particular uh, person uh, on the Corinth side that I feel like they just threw in as a, um, I mean, I know that character's around, but it was like, you don't really see him unless there's something comedic happening. So, <laughs> so the it's fact more just, of an Easter egg than anything, right? Basically. So when you see this character shows up in a splash place like that, whatever, the, although the splash place was kind of weird in itself because where it had some of the characters and some other vehicles that were around, it was like, well, wait a minute. It didn't look right in that particular case but it it was kind of a catch-all hey they're kind of going into going into action type situation you know mm-hmm. but nevertheless it was it was a pretty good page so or even even um you know not looking too deep into everything you see on the page so and i don't know the other page uh, that you were you were referring to oh unless you're talking about the the last page oh no yeah i mean i was talking about that the, the last splash page right right but what i'll say is Things are even bleaker in this issue than they ever have been mm-hmm. before that last splash page. Oh yeah. You know, oh, we see characters. We see characters get literally like, like nuked, basically. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, the uh, folks getting taken out left and right, basically. Um, in as as that says, creative ways. We'll leave it that way. Yeah, like literally getting nuked. You know, like you know, it, you know if. If we were talking about, you know, some of these characters being able to survive, like a, a, a ground zero, dev, you know, a, a detonation, mm-hmm. right? Some of these characters would not survive. And, and obviously we're dealing with something even more devastating, like a, like a, a rogue, not, not even a rogue, but just a celestial. Right. And, and uh, some of these characters just, just eating it, just mm-hmm. taking it, getting incinerated. Yep, so. yep. And going back to what Agent 70 said about a certain character kind of stepping up into a um, uh, in a role we're not used to seeing them in, I was kind of happy to see that, you know, because we know the character. In fact, I forgot there's a book this week that I forgot that, that, that he's kind of starring in that I forgot to check out. But nevertheless, kind of has a kind of has a place in in the uh, in the world of uh, Marvel, specifically with the Krakoan slash mutants, I will say. Right, and it's it's it. I thought it was appropriate, obviously. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. that uh, that this character would be the the, the voice of reason or the voice. No, of... no, no. The the voice of hope. Right. Yes. Agreed. To re to reengage Captain America. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree with you there. So, but yeah, it was a good issue. I, it, Possibly potential click of the week, I guess. Oh, uh, it's a potential click of the week for me, definitely. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't actually put that on my sheet, but it's, it's definitely a, a um, it was definitely a highlight of the week for, for certain. So I mean, I was fist pumping 
at the uh, <laughs> end. <laughs> I know you were. I know you were. Like I said, when I saw that last page, I was like, huh, all right. No, so, well, that was the other thing I was going to bring to court. Without giving, a, giving anything away, I have questions about that. And I know there are some people that probably would also. Because... Oh, about what, how things that are how that happened. not biological get reconstituted? Well, no. I mean, we know we know about the, the protocols that, that were involved in that. However, mm-hmm. there was a certain part of the protocol that was like, well, how did they get that? Because normally there's right, because usually... Because certain things have to be backed up. Exactly. Right. So and I'm certain like, types of characters get backed up, right? Exactly. So I was kind of curious. I was like, well, wait a minute. What are, what are they pulling from? Because he's not... He, this character is not a part of that. So what... what I wonder if they didn't prepare going into it that is also possible I wonder, right i wonder if they didn't prepare that plan that you know you know for that possibly you know for that eventual you know for that particular um outcome you know planning for um you know an, uh, an intended right outcome you know like they probably anticipated that that's possible yeah because during the course of the issue you, you still see various members kind of uh there's there's plans being uh plans upon plans kind of being thought right. about and enacted, you know, during the course of this issue. Right. So. There's multiple contingencies mm-hmm. that are being played out over the course of this, much to uh, Exodus's chagrin. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, one of those which wasn't really said could have possibly happened and that involving that particular thing. Although, the one other thing about that that kind of stuck with me was that, well, wait, how did that get... Well, actually, that would probably be the easy part because they've done it with, with a... a They've inserted certain materials into certain characters upon re-entry, so I guess, or re, uh, resurrection. So I guess that's not hard to do. So anyway, regardless, um, great issue. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. If you're keeping up with the with the Judgment Day stuff, this is definitely one to um, to, to check out. And I think what this is actually wait, what is this? Five of six, what, six. Okay, so yeah. All right, so we only have it. one more. AXE Judgment Day issue to go, but I think in the reading order there is like a finale, like an Omega issue. And there's still a bunch of tie-ins, yeah. Yeah, there definitely is an Omega issue in November, mm-hmm. right? So the the sixth issue comes out in October, <clears throat> um, and obviously we we have the last two tie-ins apparently this week, and in you know we we're actually no the AXE Avengers I think comes out next week, right? Um, and Fantastic Four forty seven comes out this week, right? Um, I'm just looking at the checklist, and then in October there are several one shot tie ins and a couple of regular comic tie ins. Mm-hmm. And we get AXE Judgment Day number six, and then there is an Omega issue in November, right? So, well, let's take the landing. <laughs> Stick with us, folks. We'll find out. I mean, it's an event. There's going to be, you know, a, a, a finale in six, and we'll see how the Omega carries things forward. Right, you know, and what they decide to do with the Eternals, because you know the Eternals stand to be the most affected, and maybe the Krakoans as well, mm-hmm. because we've we've always joked about how the Avengers are just kind of stuck in the middle. They're like the UNP. They were like the UN peacekeepers. Mm-hmm. You know, between two warring factions, and so we'll see how. Uh, the mutants and the Krakoans and, you know, like we've seen Arako get wasted, basically. We've seen, you know, many Krakoan mutants get, you know, destroyed. 
Mm-hmm. So we'll see how uh, the mutants come out of this because uh, this is probably the biggest blow to the existence of Krakoa since its inception. You know, no matter what Moira McTaggart tries to do. Right. You're right about that. So, but yeah, we'll see how that happens. It's probably not going to be a 198 situation. I don't, at least not for long. So, <laughs> or at least I not hope for, that's a, that was that was a pretty bleak time in right. mutant storytelling. Well, that plus the fact that yeah, because there were no, they couldn't, there was no way to uh, uh, have any more mutants. So it's slightly different because that, as far as we know, they're going to continue to still have that way coming right. out of this. That was just a tough storytelling. That was a tough time to be reading X Men during mm. the one ninety eight. So. Yeah. So, all right, we push on to the next book uh, that we have in common, which is, and I say this uh, slightly as a surprise. Um. Duo number five of six. Right. Yes, it is duo number five of six. This is a DC book. It, this is set in the Milestone universe. Uh, pl- what is it? Planet M? Yes. What universe M? Uh, Earth like M. That? Earth M. Earth yeah. M. That's right. Earth M. Yeah. M is for Milestone. It's written by Greg Pak with pencils by Koi Pham, inks by Scott Hanna, colors are by Chris Sotomayor, and letters are by Janice Chang. So I caught up on this limited, now what's now a limited series, over the weekend in anticipation of the fifth issue, the penultimate issue coming out this week. So I was able to get up to speed on the nature of these, of the duality of these, uh, of this main character. So without, right, exactly. uh, There is a a drum roll. There's a drum shot uh, here that goes with that. And... I felt like the, the 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 core of this story is done really well because it really does center upon the two protagonists as close as as much as yes. we can call them mm-hmm. protagonists really duking it out with each other. That's essentially what they end up doing over the course of like the second half of the story, trying to figure out how best to coexist. And I'm not spoiling everything. I know Roddy Cat has talked about this book, but I think it's worth um, it's worth reading. I'm not sure if these characters are going to have any sort of longevity beyond maybe appearing in other milestone related books so you know but obviously with the nature of uh dc's numerous crises you never know when some of these characters might find their way into the mainstream dc universe who knows what the mainstream dc universe is at this point or what it will be Especially so what we found out I, last week right so i'll hand it off to Rodicat. he'll probably have a few more things to say about the story but i'll have to i have to say that i enjoyed thus far the interplay between the two protagonists and how they are uh, dealing with their shared lives now. Right. So, and and I have been wanting uh, Agent 70 to check this book out, not just because of the uh, creative team is all Asian and, and the protagonists are Asian, but also it is a fairly strong story with that even being the case. And I was kind of curious, because uh, I'm going to ask this question, I think I asked, uh, I was going to ask... Uh, well, at least the the writer and the penciler are Asian. Well, yeah, but well, and the letterer, but <clears throat> yes, 
and the letter. I was about to say I was going through the I was going in order from uh, the first credit, so I did miss Janice. Sorry, Janice. Right. I know you've been lettering for a long time. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, she's just... been around uh, comics for ages. Right. She's been around since the seventies, I think. So good for oh, her for nice. still uh, getting the lettering done. So do you? So the question I have to ask you uh, before I say anything else was because I don't really have, don't have much else to say about this because I've I've been enjoying it. But one, you've had a chance to read this. Uh, um, just all at once, fell swoop, which I think it probably reads well that way. Like I've been doing it for, uh, from in real time from from, um, right. from month, big, month right, right, and it's been, been pretty good. But I think this probably will lend itself uh, a, a better reading trade. I probably, think. yeah. And also, uh, the question I was going to ask, though, uh, outside of that, is: Did you see this? Did you see one of the characters as I how, how I don't know if you remember how I described him, but did you see this as a movie? With a certain movie star attached to it, uh, that the 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 male character kind of favors, or seeming to me kind of favors, kinda, kinda with the with the with the hair and the beard, which also has to do with another one of your books that you read. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. I did. I did notice that. So. A little bit of a passing resemblance there. Mm-hmm. Which actually, we will have more news about this person in the news section, uh, but not having to do with this. Right. And, and uh, you know, we do have, um, <clears throat> I think we have a, a, a sound effect. I thought I did. Let me just double check. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know what? I don't think I ever converted it. Um, into an actual sound effect. I might have taken it off my board, but I could have sworn I had... Um, you know what? I don't think I do anymore. Look at that. I took it off. I must have not used it for a long time. But gotcha. yeah, I I, 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 I I thought I had one. But, uh, but yeah, folks, you know, this is a character... This is a, an actor... And creator that uh, we are all very familiar with. Um, he plays. He portrays a character who killed a bunch of people with a pencil. <laughs> yes, as one of his roles, as opposed to playing a, another similar messiah type character in one of his exactly. roles. Exactly the one. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, the only thing I have to add just briefly uh, to this, like I've been enjoying it. This one, like I did. Uh, I think we're just finding out confirmation that this was a miniseries because I don't think it was initially um, put out as that or if it was and we took because when we originally talked about it you know it might have been because I know we, when we first talked about it it might have mentioned whether it was or not and right I mean we could always just up. go backwards and check the solicitations right you know just to be certain but yeah you know like we're not you know we're not casting any judgments right uh on this because so many of these things end up being miniseries you know even the black cat stuff the jane foster stuff mm-hmm. you know at least we're still getting good content you know right. it's just a shame that they just can't support but to to a certain degree they're correct they really can't support an ongoing but as long as we're getting good stories with these characters you know we're we're gonna have to just be content with getting miniseries, right? And who knows? Like like you said earlier, they could pop back up in in, uh, in other milestone media, and maybe possibly the DC uh, universe at large. But we will see. Uh, that being said, I if you are uh, if you are familiar with the milestone universe, like there are no there haven't been any characters from that universe to really show up in this to actually show up in this. Uh, so if you're looking for that out of this, but it is in the same universe, um, so. 
and these are newer characters to that universe. Uh, that being said, I I still would say that it is worth a a check to check this out. This might be something up uh, some folks' alley. I think. Uh, that being said, um, yeah, I think that's it. So we got uh, what other book you want to do uh, before we go into rabbit? Uh, let's do FF. Sure. All right. All right, so Fantastic Four number 47 is written by David Pepos with art by Juan Cabal, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by our favorite lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. So I'm going to let Roddy Cat talk about the bulk of this, but I will say that this is kind of a filler arc that's meant to tie into the Judgment Day event. Because we know that a new creative team has been appointed to take over the Fantastic Four in the wake of Dan Slott stepping off the book. So I believe 47, 48, and 49 are going to be the issues that tie in. Well, maybe they won't all tie into Judgment Day, but at least those will be the that, that'll be the fill-in parts of the story right we know 47 and 48 for certain are are definitely ju- judgment day tie-ins 49 right. yeah we don't know right we have <laughs> no idea about 49 at this point but we know that uh, a new creative team is incoming and so um we're we as longtime comic book readers are kind of prone to seeing these fill-in arcs between like long-term creative teams I don't want to say permanent because there's no such thing in comics or in life, right? right? But long-term creative teams, um, you know, these fill-in arcs that, that come in in between these fill-in stories are often seen as throwaway stories. But I like that this is, one, a tie-in to the major event. And two, uh, there are some really cool pop culture references and tie-ins in this and i think that's where i'm going to hand it off to roddy cat yes um some of you may remember the siege of avengers mansion this is not quite that however it is kind of similar because it does have to do with the siege of the baxter building and if you know of another popular siege in cinematic history um, that was centered around Christmas that uh, one might evoke for... Right, it's uh, centered around a building. Folks. Yes, exactly. Um, you would read this and think, yes, that's the case. And you would be right, right down to certain references in the book right. that show up. I'm like, is there an Al Powell, Sergeant Al Powell somewhere? <laughs> I'm looking for Reginald Vell Johnson. I can't <laughs> wait to see if there's a Reginald Vell Johnson reference in the next issue. <laughs> I mean... That is a as, big hint, folks. That is a big, big hint. As much as I hate to say it, it could be... The closest would be that one custodian that ha- that was uh, that, that helped Sue out. Maybe. But, you know, Maybe. we can't really say that for certain. But, you know, that's probably the closest we're going to get uh, at this point. Uh, but yeah, so the the, the Basket Vigilance has been sieged all due to a character. Sieged. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Um, based uh, because of a character that I know has shown up a couple of times uh, since the, what I'm about to mention, but I vaguely remember where that was. 
And but I had to groan because I remember this character from Original Sin. <laughs> that Is that event. where the character comes from? I think this character was before that, but mm. they played a part of Original Sin, definitely. God, I, oh man, folks, we read so many comics. I can't remember <laughs> some. When I saw this character, I was like, am I supposed to recognize this character? Right. I think I do, but I'm not sure. <clears throat> so at first, when I first saw him, because you, you see him from the back first, I was like, wait, is this a new version of Malice? Which Of which, if uh, some, I know there are people who know of the Fantastic Four, but don't know that uh, Sue, Sue, Sue Storm Richards uh, was uh, the embodiment of, of Malice at one point in time. But that's, you know, right. neither here nor there. Uh, but it turns out not to be the case. Um, and yeah, like I said, I was like, oh, wow. I knew the character's name and I felt like this, this character is basically more associated with a version of Captain Marvel, let's say. Not the not Carol Danvers version. I mean, this character is a legacy character. Basically. Like, this character has a father who has, you know, has the same surname and had a history with you know, I guess multiple heroes. Right. So, um, you know, I, I'm unfamiliar <clears throat> with the character. You know, but I, I mean, this particular, yeah, but this particular version, I remember uh, being uh, uh, from a story that was, that involved Novar. Mm. Um, and that may or may not, I can't remember if that was before or after Original Sin, but nevertheless, they they, they also played a small part of, uh, of Original Sin also, which I try not to think of Original Sin, that, that event, that much, but there are certain things you just can't help because certain things still come up from that event, unfortunately, <laughs> or certain people. But uh, nevertheless, this is part one of, of two in the, uh, I think we've said a lot, uh, as a tie-in to Judgment Day is not so much that, even though they do kind of sprinkle in, you know, uh, there's the, it's told from a certain character's reference and that's kind of how it starts off. But there's right. no and real... ultimately, it's the the events of Judgment Day are used as a cover, right, for what's actually happening with this, what the what the villain, the antagonist, is trying to pull off, right. But outside so. of that, nothing real, nothing that's that that close tie to the right. to the event itself. So right, uh, I'd also add that the uh, the tease for the next issue really ties into the the the. The reference here yes. into the pop culture, into the pop culture, the particular pop culture reference, folks. Some would argue the cover in certain certain respects, but not really because it's you know. So, well, I think that tease that that one page tease is the cover for the next issue. It more right. more than likely is the cover for the next issue. Well, no, no, I meant the cover for the this cover one, of this right. issue. Right. Now, now you got me flipping backwards to see. It's not really so much call. though. Yeah. Outside of but where the, the cover for the next issue definitely is. Yeah, definitely. Like outside of where this um where this cover kind of takes place, that's about where the, the, the reference could start and end. But yeah, the the, the next cover the, for the next issue absolutely positively. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I was about to say the, the 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 cover for this issue kind of does also. Right, you see what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I had to I couldn't remember the um I remember seeing mindless ones right right so that's why i didn't put two and two together until you made me go back and look at it and now it absolutely makes sense mm-hmm. so like that fun issue uh kind of a potential click of the week for that i mean it's not you know it it has acts to kind of stand up to and and, and then that you know kind of takes them out of it but it, it was a fun issue for for what it was so so far i would say mm-hmm 
Um, that being said, unless you got another book that you really, really want to talk about, we can go to rapid fire. No, we'll go rapid fire because we have a lot of books to go through this week. Mm. And, you know, some of them are relatively light reading. Some of them I kind of regret reading. And we'll get to that <laughs> when uh, we get to another book that we both have in common. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that I regret reading the story. It's the I regret having looked at it. So we'll mm. get to that. That's fair. Gotcha. All right, here we go. Rapid fire. I ain't got time to bleed. All right, you go oh, for it. Waiting like for it. There we go. There we go. All right, first up for me is Berserker, number 10 of 12. It's written by Keanu Reeves. Whoa. And Matt Kint. Art by Ron Garney. Colors by Bill Crabtree. And letters by Clem Robbins. So we are in the home stretch of this Berserker story. And let me tell you that um, a lot of revelations have come about in the last like two or three issues of this book. The, the, the lead in, let's say the first half of this story, you know, basically issues one through five were early history in the setup. But now we're really getting into some supernatural stuff that obviously was the precursors and and the, and the, and the, and the context of it was laid in those first five issues, but we're really neck deep into some supernatural stuff in the last half of this mini series. So we are, uh, as I said, in the home stretch, I'm kind of curious to see how this might translate into a Netflix show, because I know that's what, uh, this was initially developed for, you know, some sort of streaming, uh, uh, platform, uh, adaptation. And so I'm, I'd be kind of curious to see how they adapt this because it's not the most direct storytelling. It's not, you know, as black and white, there's definitely a lot more gray in terms of the storytelling here. There's plenty of action to adapt. Uh, but I think that, um, the supernatural stuff it doesn't come out of left field, but it's a little bit, it, it seems like there's a definite change in tone over the second half of the story. And so it might be, uh, somewhat jarring to people who aren't used to seeing that happen, but it was teased from the beginning. So that's what I'll say to anyone who kind of is uncomfortable with the direction of the story at this point. Next up for me is Nightwing number 96. It's written by Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo, inks by Caio Philippe, colors by Adriano Lucas, and letters by Wes Abbott. So this is, believe it or not, a potential click of the week for me. I really enjoyed this issue of Nightwing. So this is the finale of the storyline, The Battle for Bloodhaven's Heart. And that story title has like a triple entendre buried in it because once you read this issue and you see the various levels that Tom Taylor is referring to when he titles the story entitles the story, the battle for Bloodhaven's heart and how things play out over the course of this, uh, you know, long running story. It's been running for a little while now. And, um, you know, certain things happen, certain things seem 
to have been dealt with with some finality, but it's comic books, folk. It's comic books, folks. Nothing is ever final, including death in comic books. You know, shout out to Uncle Ben. You know, because you and know, Bill Foster. Bucky... Right. And well, we don't know about Bill Foster yet, but we've seen Bucky come back. You know, we've seen Gwen come back, um, sort of. So, you know, there are some characters that do come back, you know, except for Ben Parker. So, but, uh, but yeah, I really like this issue. It was, uh, really, uh, you know, there's certain parts of it that are just really well written. Uh, a lot of it really speaks to, uh, certain characters and the, 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 the strengthening of a relationship that I know some people, depending on their vintage and their history with the Dick Grayson character might be uncomfortable with, you know, but bear in mind, I, I came up as a kid reading Robin, not so much in Batman, but in new teen Titans. So I was used to seeing him with Starfire, but to see him with someone else, yeah, it's a little different, but it's obviously a longstanding relationship that, DC is looking to run with, and especially uh, Tom Taylor at the helm of Nightwing is looking to run with. There are some, there are probably some social media articles out there that have a couple of screenshots from this issue that are funny with uh, uh, active censorship going on, but with, you know, done very tongue in cheek. I don't know if Roddy Cat is familiar with some of these articles or maybe some of the, the things that have uh, been posted. No, I don't think so. Okay, well, I can always share it with him after the show, and he'll appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, uh, I really like this episode, this this issue. I liked um, the way this story arc wrapped up. So this is a potential click of the week for me. Next up is, believe it or not, an image book. Vanish number one. That's a number one issue. We try to jump into those number one issues to see if they're worth keeping up with. This is a creator-owned book. From Donny Cates. It's written by Donny Cates. And I think it's also co-created by penciler Ryan Stegman. Inks are by J.P. Mayer. Colors are by Sonia Obak. And letters are by John J. Hill. So this book deals with magic. And it does adapt some familiar tropes, some familiar ideas that we've seen adapted in recent magic based stories namely an academy namely students namely houses that these students are are a part of and we also get a little bit of a twist on the thunderbolts original concept at the very end so if you are intrigued by all of what I just said, you may enjoy reading this. I enjoyed it. I'm probably going to check out the next issue or two. I don't know if I would stick with this if I were pulling this physically, but I enjoyed this issue. I thought it was well written. There's a lot of exposition because Kate decides to knock out a lot of the background right away. Uh, you know, the, the, the obvious Harry Potter um, parallels are there. But as I said, there is a twist on the original Thunderbolts concept in this as well. So it's interesting to see 
how uh, you know that superhero concept, you know, is being. You know, I don't know how long the Harry Potter thing is going to last. It may just be for the first issue. You know, maybe there'll be flashbacks to it. But ultimately, it's you know, there's there's a there's a a, a magic magical basis for the story. Um, but as I said, that little twist at the end was interesting. Question Next. before you go Shoot. before you go. On. So Dining Case is an interesting interesting writer, as you know. <clears throat> Sometimes he tends to go a little, for lack of a better word, balls out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is 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 any of that in here? Yeah, there's some of that. Okay. I'm yeah, he gives he gives Stegman some some space to really uh, go a little crazy, but it's a little bit more of just you know a little bit of gore, a little bit more you know blood and 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 and, and violence than we're used to seeing them both do in the pages of Marvel Comics. Mm, gotcha. Okay. It's creator owned after all. Exactly. I was about to say. Okay. All righty. Next up, folks. Guess what? <laughs> Guess what, folks? <sighs> I didn't know Avengers this was the one you were talking 16. about. What's that? I didn't know this was the one you were talking about. What do you mean? About the one you said kind of, or maybe I'm, I could be wrong. I don't know. About the one you said you kind of wish you hadn't, hadn't read. Oh, yeah. This is it. Yeah. Avengers number 60. This is the one I didn't mind reading. This is the one I minded looking at. Avengers <laughs> number 60 is written by Mark Russell with terrible pencil art by Greg Land. <laughs> Inks are by Jay Leaston. Uh I know Roddy Cat would not have said that. That's why I do the credits, folks. Uh <laughs> Colors are by David Curiel and letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. So this is a strict tie-in only Avengers issue to Judgment Day. This does not continue Jason Aaron's ongoing storyline with the uh, uh, that that's supposed that is supposed to tie in with the Avengers Forever book, which is also out this week. Um, this is a strict tie-in dealing with a character who has gotten to me an unfair share of flack because of how the character is portrayed in the MCU Agreed. and I'll let Roddy Cat take it from there. I, I, I agree with that. So yeah, this is sitting around Hawkeye. Oh, I also want to say, I can't, I might be wrong about this, but this might be Mark Russell's first um, Marvel outing. I'm not entirely sure about I'm that. I might sure. be wrong about that. That's a good question. Yeah, because I know he's done some DC stuff and, and the, the um, so, but th- th- that aside, I have to look that up. Yeah, so this is sent around Hawkeye, and basically, as I say in my note, basically what he got into before or during the uh, before Acts uh, Four. So, folks that did not know that um, the 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 um, Celestial pretty much gave folks twenty four hours before he passes judgment, and has been going around kind of judging particular people. Or watching particular people and, and passing judgment after they watch uh, watch them uh, in that midst of us. This is pretty much what happens with Hawkeye. Now, the unfair flack thing is definitely apt in this episode also. Because Hawkeye is one of my favorite characters. You know, even like before the, well, well, well before the, the MCUification of him. And, you know, even, you know, the, that great, um, uh, um, David Aha and uh, Matt Fraction run where they pretty much slubbified him a little bit more. You know, still great. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. when you put the man up against a mailbox, 
<laughs> yeah, that's just where I draw the line. Nobody uses mailboxes to like like they portrayed in this in this issue like that. No, or no, or nor do they talk glowingly about mailboxes uh, to that extent uh, these days. In reality, I don't think you can put a box in a mailbox right now. Right, exactly, exactly. So I'm sitting here like, wait, yeah, exactly. I kind of giggled at that, but guess who's responsible for drawing the box? (laughs) (laughs) So okay, so that's another thing outside of shots fired. (laughs) So if you haven't, if you're kind of new to the Comic Chronicles, um, and Outside of the discourse of um, what's been going on on Twitter with with, with certain artists and writers, you know, um, this is not that. I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. Um, so that being said, uh, Greg Land is a. F- I'm using air quotes for the folks who cannot who, who are not watching the video version. Air quotes. Favorite um, artist on the. Uh, through half of the Chronicles um, hosting staff, let's put it that way. Yeah, that is laced with sarcasm, folks. <laughs> laced. Laced. Oh. That is like, the sarcasm runs so deep in that statement. And I just love bringing it so up because it's so deep. funny. It is funny to me. So deep. <laughs> So but, you know, like I, I sound like Uncle Roger here, and and, and you know what this. You I was going to ask you about uh, a recent one, by the way, but yeah, go ahead. You know, I, you know, you know that's you know that's you know it's I haven't I haven't watched uh, like a, a recent uh, Uncle Roger thing, but this is what this deserves. Hiya, you know, you will like the recent one that I just saw, or uh, I'll put it oh, that okay. way. Yeah, uh-oh. so. Uh, but nevertheless, like I said, to kind of kind of to, to finish up for this. So this is pretty much during that twenty four hours that uh, that um, the uh, of uh, you know people waiting for judgment. That the the uh, celestial kind of makes its form in in a couple of different ways. Hawkeye kind of goes talks to a couple of people. Uh, well, talks to one particular person anyway, which is like I didn't expect them to go to that person either. But I guess given recent events, uh, with especially dealing with the, the newest version of Thunderbolts, I guess they would have some relation to each other. Um, uh, but nevertheless, like this is that, and and, and the what seems to be the judgment for Hawkeye coming out of this issue, which I guess I could I expect it given what happened but nonetheless it was like huh i I, it could have gone either way you know (laughs) but i guess they were kind of portraying it in a certain way to kind of to kind of swerve back the other way so you know it was a decent issue that's all i'll say about that but it was it was just kind of funny like of all the characters that they could have kind of showed i guess this would be the one for particular reasons you know Mm -hmm. like the one with the the proficiency that's kind of um, that's kind of not necessarily one note, but you know you can only do so much with that professionally. Even though he does it quite well, don't get me wrong. You know, in the in the uh, you know with the other folks on the on the team that has been with him, or even in the Avengers at any point in time, you know, it's, it's kind of outclassed all the way around. Right. So, anyway, that's all I have to say. Alrighty, next up for me is Avengers Forever number nine. It's written by Jason Aaron with pencils by Aaron Cooter. Inks by Cam Smith, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So this does continue Jason Aaron's, you know, uh, overarching, 
overarching uh, Avengers Forever story. This issue focuses upon Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Carol Danvers, and a version of Carol in the multiverse that the Multiversal Avengers looks to recruit. And I thought this was a really well-done issue. Uh, The character development here is strong. Um, I've never been a big fan of, you know, alternate universes. This is, uh, to me, was always one of the downfalls of the DC universe. But I like that, you know, these characters are being created and they're not trying to create, like, you know, a new 52 and having, like, a a bunch of different realities. They're just there, you know, for their character their character variations, variants to be mined and used for the purpose of this story. All right, I'm okay with that. I hope they don't abuse it going forward and literally try to tell like multiversal stories and we have to have a crisis of Marvel Earths at some point. Nah, Next I mean, up, that's pretty much what Super Secret Wars kind of was though. So I figured like they, they kind of did that already. Well, Secret Wars was really about the ultimate universe. It was really about dealing with the ultimate universe True, as opposed but... to like the alter, you know, I know what you mean. Right. I know what you mean. Yeah. But I think that Secret Wars was really trying to put some final touches to, you know, get Miles right. into the Marvel Universe and to deal with some of the mess that had been created by like some of the 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 decisions made uh, like in the middle and the end of the ultimate universe. Right. Uh, next up for me is uh, no, we did Fantastic Four. Iron Cat number four of five. I know Roddy Cat also read this book. It's written by Jed McKay with art by Perry Perez, colors by Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Ariana Mayer. Amar, uh, actually, you know, we actually dis- I thought I, I think I decided uh, unilaterally that we were going to pronounce it like Bill Mar. So, um, this issue kind of is. Tony Stark Iron Man focused even though it is an Iron Cat slash Black Cat story this issue really focuses on Tony Stark his history with Sunset Bane and a lot of the interpersonal stuff that he's had to deal with over the course of his uh, character's history so that's that's what I have to say about this. That's that was my impression. I don't know what Roddy Cat uh, has to. Oh, Roddy Cat can add what he wants. Mm. So the only thing I'll say is that I find that I find it funny that in the beginning of the issue that Felicia kind of not necessarily chastises Tony about the situation, but it was like you know she really doesn't have room to talk about exes. You know, even though her, even though Tony's ex is the one kind of at the forefront of this issue, but it was her ex that kind of started the whole thing in the first place. So she, right. her going at Tony about, you know, uh, about, um, the evil ex that's trying to kill things. them. Right. Yeah, exactly. It was like, you know, like you, you don't have that in there, but outside of that, you know, this is a Jed McKay book. So it's, it's, it's kind of fun in itself. Like this was kind of, I guess, toned down from the, from the, from the black cat stuff. Cause obviously, you know, you're dealing with a couple of different, uh, different characters, uh, but it was nice. There was a couple of nice touches that uh, showed up in this issue. Like we saw the Civil Centurion show up, Unibeam, and I don't know if you, uh, if if you like me, every time you see the Unibeam, you 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 hit up uh, Marvel vs. Capcom. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like little touches like that that kind of um that kind of came out in here. But ultimately like this issue kind of partially plays out like leverage. Or, or at least a part of leverage, the show leverage if you've ever seen it. Because it's mm-hmm. it's basically about a bunch of uh, uh a group of um they call them bad guys, but they they're like Robin Hoods, but they're basically Bad guys that do good things, I guess, and there's like some grifting and stuff like that. So there was a little bit of leverage going on uh, in the course of this book with a conversation between a couple of characters that that I, I um, that I found kind of interesting. Overall, okay. yeah, it was a good good issue. All righty, next up is another book that we have in common. So the last three books I have are are all books that Roddy Cat and I have in common. So we're going to be chipping away at the list of books he has to go through. Uh, Next up is Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor, number four of five. It's written by Torun Grumbeck, with art by Michael Dowling, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So this was close to being a potential click of the week for me. I really liked the writing in this book. This issue in particular, I thought, was written very strongly uh, uh, because the bulk of the issue really revolves around the title character, the title characters, Jane Foster, right? And we've alternately called the mighty Thor Jane Foster, and obviously that was the original uh, adjective uh, to describe Thor Odinson's book. And so I really appreciated that this issue really dealt with the interplay between the two characters. Obviously, there are many aspects of the story that um, that 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 are interwoven in here. You know, even the 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 uh, uh, the interaction with Sim. You know, who 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 we know as a, a foe of magic. You know, Ilyana Rasputin. But I really appreciated. You know, there's a parallel here with a little bit of Thor Love and Thunder, but I definitely appreciated uh, some of the, the the character moments that are brought up here. And ultimately, I think the one disappointing part of this issue was the reveal splash page. Yes, I agree with that. I was very disappointed to see that. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait a second. One deity of this type should not be bowing to the other a similar type right not only that we just saw this uh this character which you know that doesn't necessarily limit it to for, from floating from one book to the other but we just i'm very, pretty certain you just saw this um this well this character. character plays a big role in the current punisher book exactly so if you if you Keeping up with that, you know who we're talking about already. But yeah, I was kind of agreeing with you with the, with the reveal. I'm like, really? It's, it's him? Like, why? I would like to believe there's more. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was about to say, I would love to believe there's a little bit more to it than just that. But mm-hmm. if this is it, then I don't know. That's that's just kind of a boo. Right. I mean, there might be a swerve in the end. Right. Right. I just didn't appreciate that one was essentially prostrating himself in front of the other. And I'm like, wait, they're supposed to be basically equals. And if I'm not mistaken, wait, isn't technically the one that was bowing kind of older than the other? 
relatively it depends. Right. You know, I mean, you know, mythology is mythology, right? right? The adaptations are adaptations. The Marvel adaptations are what they are. Right. But ultimately, they occupy the same space. Mm-hmm. They literally occupy the same <laughs> space as deities. And I'm like, wait, why is one bowing to the other? Right. Which, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. But, but as as we said, there might be a swerve. Yeah. You and know. The, and I believe we, we trust... It's safe enough to say that we trust Torun Grunbeck, Grunbeck enough to kind of pull this out. I mean, this is like, it's not like this is a big, it was like, wow, this just kills the whole thing. Nothing like that. But, you know, mm-hmm. just, just, just to see, still see where it goes, you know, we trust her. Sure. I, I, mean, I Maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I don't know. You know. No, no, no. I mean, she's, she, she's, she came up under Jason Aaron. And she came up, you know, co-writing some stuff. So now she's got a good handle on, you know, the the, the comic book writing style. And I really appreciate that, you know, she's given a voice to uh, an additional voice to uh, Jane Foster and obviously to Runa, uh, the 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 call it the um, the stand-in for uh, Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie. Right. So. Um, all right. Last but not least, the strange number six. It's written by Jed McKay with art by Lee Garbett, colors by Hava Tartaglia, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So, I enjoyed this issue. It's not click of the week material, but I enjoyed this issue because we actually get some real movement in the story, and it's all about what Wong is doing with a little bit of bats. But it's really all about what Wong does. We don't see Clea Strange at all in this issue. It's about Wong and his pre-existing relationships in the Marvel Universe. And, it's inter- and it's, it was interesting and incredible to see Wong get essentially a solo issue working with guest stars. And the way these guest stars were woven into the story were so was so... It felt so organic. It wasn't forced. It all made perfect sense. Yeah. You know, obviously this is pre-judgment day because the world (laughs) is not ending in this book. So this is all pre-judgment day. So I definitely appreciate that, um, uh, that it's a, a Wong centric story one and two that, uh, that the issue of, uh, the guest stars were done very well. And three, we finally get a little bit of movement on this whole, um, whatchamacallit, blasphemy cartel business. And I don't know if you're familiar with this alleged branch of S.H.I.E.L.D. No, I was not. I did not Google it to see if that was in fact something that preexisted. I'm going to rely on uh, Jed McKay and trust that this is in fact a long time thing that probably popped up once or twice. I don't think it's a long time thing because I was going to look it up. I don't think it's a long time thing because I think I saw an article on it, not necessarily looked it up, but it's it's been around, I guess, within recent history, I guess. I I, I might be wrong about that because I was like, yeah, this is, but like you, this was definitely a new thing to me. Right. I li- I'm literally looking it up now. I'm looking at the uh, the fandom entry. Hmm. So Why are you looking that up? Appearance, oh, okay. First appearance, Thunderbolts Annual, number one, December 2013. Okay, so yeah, I was, so I was kind of right. Then. 
Right. So it's relatively recent, but not that recent. Right. It's just obscure. Right. But also in the realm of S.H.I.E.L.D. having various organizations for various different things, not outside of realm of possibility, we just did not know, you know. Right. Yeah, different branches for different things. And we've seen branches, they've made up branches to deal with supernatural things before. There's a Mm -hmm. branch that, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, I don't know if they mentioned that in the recent, in the current Ghost Rider series. I don't know if they mentioned this particular acronym there. That's why I was kind of taken aback. Right. I don't think it, well, at least from what I remember reading about it, which granted was only the first couple of issues at this point, but um, yeah, I don't think they did actually. Because I know one character was like, yeah, they say that they're former shields, but they don't really specify, you know, what, what group they're with. Yeah. Right. So, but the only thing I have to say about this issue is like, I kind of agree with um, uh, Agent 70. And also, speaking of going back to pop culture references uh, during the week, this uh, issue kind of had some of that because the plot of it kind of reminiscent of a as i say in my notes a late 80s early 90s movie a not necessarily full dude where's my car but kind of of that ilk because the 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 main character that being wong his uh a hole in his memory and he's trying to figure out you know pretty, pretty much retracing the steps to figure out you know where or what what happened hmm. um so on that respect, it kind of is. And there's also another kind of a pop culture reference in uh, a group that shows up that, that Wong deals with, at least by name in a way. Mm-hmm. So I was like, huh, I don't know if that was in, intentional or not, but that was interesting to play out. So that's all I got to say about it. Mm-hmm. And of course, Bats is always great. <laughs> Absolutely. Is that it for you, or you got? Uh... Yeah, that's it. That's it. All right. All righty. That is it for me. So I knocked out a few of your books. So yep, you, you should did. have a few less books to deal with. And the ones I have are, are actually, I think I only have. I don't know. I have more than what I thought. Anyway, let's let's just push this along, shall we? Uh, Batman Superman is World's Finest number seven starts off mine. So this is. Um, let's see. This book is. Written by Mark Wade, um, art by Dan Mora, colors by Tamara Bonvillain, letters by Steve Wands. Uh, we have talked about this in the news before. This is basically starts off the, or this is actually the tale of Superman's, um, I guess former, but at this at this time frame of this story, uh, sidekick because Superman that we know of. In the main continuity, and this is and I'm not saying this isn't because this is main continuity, but normally, um, Superman doesn't really have a sidekick. Like, Crypto's been around, Supergirl's been around, she's not really a sidekick, but nevertheless, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There have been people, he's never had his own dedicated sidekick like Robin is to Batman. And this is the story of that said sidekick who shares pretty much a similar origin story to Superman. Although slightly sad, sad in a way, without going into it too far. Um, and actually, that's a pretty much all I'll say about that. It's it's um, it's going to continue next issue, and there's a big band that was uh, introduced, uh, or a seemingly big band that was introduced uh, uh, at the outset of this issue. So where this uh, sidekick story is going to go, or whether it's going to branch out into the DC universe at large, because this is set in like the past, basically, um, because we have Dick Grayson, Robin with Batman, 
So that, if that tells you anything. Um, and yeah, there's that. So we'll see what, what goes, if anything, if what, if anything comes out of it. Uh, next book for me, Black Adam, number four of 12. Uh, soup, soup, soup. Let's cover it there. Bum, 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 bum. Written by one uh, Christopher Priest. Uh, Matt Herms is on art. Colors by Willie Schubert. And I may have not gotten the rest of the creative team. Uh, probably someone from Anne World Design. Uh, and world whatever but um i have to look that up in a second this one is kind of a, a potential click of the week for me i'm still kind of on the fence of that oh wait um no no that's the wrong book there we go so we get a little bit more about the pantheon um uh that has kind of been hounding uh teth adam and basically confirmed how uh adam got into the predicament uh, he's in and what the Pantheon wants with him, wanted with him. Uh, on the other side of that, we pretty much catch up with, um, uh, Malik who has still has the powers of, uh, that black Adam gave him, um, kind of, uh, kind of going about his day and being hounded by one Etrigan, the demon who happens to show up in this book and their, their interaction, or at least, their interaction was pretty much kind of funny because you get this young uh, hip hop loving dude and this Adrian uh, and this uh, demon with a, a rhyming, I don't want to say a rhyming fetish, but that's but who, who tends to rhyme everything they say. And the interaction is kind of amusing uh, for whatever reason it happens. So there is that next book is actually a surprise for me because I haven't read this book in a while or any related books in a while. Uh, the flash number 786. Um, as I sit here and try to find the, there we go. Sorry, folks. I'm trying to do a couple of things at once while I'm, while I'm doing, I'm doing this. Uh, let's see. Uh, creative team writer, Jerry May Adams, Art by Amon K. Nahulpen. I apologize if I butchered that name. Colors by Jeremy Cox and Peter Pantazes. And letters by A.W.'s Justin uh, Birch. This is a Dark Crisis tie-in, which I don't know anything about, which you don't necessarily have to know that much about. Like, there is a couple of things that get mentioned in this, in this that I did know about from reading articles or whatnot, but overall... Um, the Justice League, or not even the Justice League, but basically the heroes that are left of kind of putting out fires um, are around the world having to do with Deathstroke or, or, and other folks kind of doing things. And this is focused around the Flash family of uh, Wally and Linda, who now has powers somehow kind of way, and their kids who are pretty much going around. Um, I guess you could say it's a Flash family outing uh, and, um, you know, helping out where they can. Uh, it's it's a fun book. Uh, you should uh, you don't necessarily know have to know about uh, Dark Crisis to, to to read this out, but um, but uh, it was a, it was a fun read, uh, especially um, the the uh, an interaction with one of the kids and uh, Damian Wayne, uh, was was pretty uh, humorous. Uh, let's see, next book for myself, Edge of Spider Verse number four with uh, a couple of uh, creative teams because there are three, uh, four, excuse me, 
four stories here. Um, I think we, if you uh, talked, if you were with us last week, we'd said that the usually Edge of Spider Verse is where there's a breakout character uh, that is uh, introduced. Um, Spider Gwen being one of note, being the one of note, I guess. Um, but in this one, we have stories dealing with Spider Ham, which is written by Jordan Bloom, art by Michael Scheffler, colors by Rico Renzi, uh, Spinstress, which is I think is a new character, which I know is a new character, uh, by written by David Hain, art by Luciano Vecchio, and colors by Brian Reber, uh, Spider Mobile, which yeah I'll get to that in a second, written by Tan Slot, uh, art by Ty Templeton and colors by Dono Sanchez Almara and Sun Spider, who was uh, written and created, partially created, well, written and created by T. Franklin, um, art by Jethro Morales, um, also, I guess, co-creation duties there, uh, colors by Chris Sotomayor, uh, and oh, the whole thing was lettered by VCs Joe Caramagna. So... Um, I'm real briefly. First story is Spider Ham, like I said, uh, who's apparently been spending a little too much time with uh, Spider Man Noir. There is a newer character that is also gets introduced. Another new character in this, who I'm just going to call uh, Spider Dad jokes, and that pretty much says you everything you need to know about that. Uh, the second um, uh, second story is Spentress, which is basically Disney Princess Spider Person. Um, third story, it's a Spider-Mobile. So if you're of a certain vintage, you know that um, Spider-Man had a um, had a car, had a buggy specifically back in the 70s. Why? We don't know. No for, for, for reason. But hey, merchandising, we know that. In this particular case, let's just say that if there were Cars universe versions of, um, of uh, Marvel characters, this would be one. And then, like I said, that's all I really need to say about that. And, uh, which, you know, it's a lot of uh, Farge Grumps, so I need to calm down on that. And the last one, uh, Sun Spider, which is a uh, disabled uh, spider um, spider character, which uh, on the internet went totally gaga over because also the writer uh, is, is also a, a del- um, um, disabled woman of color herself, even though the, the character is not. Uh, a person of color nevertheless doesn't matter um but um you can definitely see if you follow the writer team franklin you can definitely see um the the um the inspirations there because i do follow her and some of this is written like it's coming straight off out of her uh twitter uh account let's just say that and i'm not saying that's a bad thing it is not but you know but you can you can get a sense of of that from that um, there's also, oh, going back to that, 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 uh, Spider-Man one, there's a weird JoJo's reference there. Um, I say it's a JoJo's reference, but the reference is, comes kind of before that, but I, I found that kind of funny. Um, <coughs> excuse me, but yeah, that is that, uh, so you definitely check it out. Um, those, especially those middle two and that, well, all of them are amusing for their own respects, but, um, there's a couple of them that are like, this is some Disney ass shit right here. This is kind of funny. Um, let's see. Star Wars death, uh, Darth Vader, excuse me. Star Wars, Darth Vader. Number 27 is my next book. 
Um, I did not read uh, Mandalorian this week, but just like I told you the last couple of times, it's pretty much uh, an adaptation of the first season. So there's really nothing else to say about that. Um, Greg Park writes uh, Star Wars, Darth Vader, uh, art by Raffaele uh, Ayenko, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So Vader says a thing. Uh, he's been dealing with this, uh, governor who's had this death machine on this planet and she's got one of um, Padme's old handmaidens with her, ex-handmaidens with her. Um, there is a trick that he uses that is reminiscent of Luke in Return of the Jedi in this um, that is that is uh, used to a interesting effect. And apparently the, government, uh, the, the governor in question has... Um, had well has had uh their own version of iron man armor which i have dubbed um war darth the war darth vader buster so if you know the characters that that those are invoking you know what i'm talking about and of course we find out who's behind this whole thing but it should be no surprise to anyone uh who knows anything about darth vader i'll put it that way Next up, and my last book, which I kind of just skimmed, but I'm just gonna, but I'm gonna talk about it either way. And I know Agent Seventy, I think, is going to read this. Uh, X Terminators number one of five. At some point, I mean yeah. that and New Mutants, which neither yes. of us was able to get to this week. Right? Yeah, New Mutants was a um, a 40th anniversary uh, um, uh, book, and I believe what did you say it was? Was it Fidiala Yala's last on the book or coming up to? Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. It's her last. I mean, that's a 30 issue run. She started this. Right. So she's had a good run on New Mutants. So, they, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I think it's a, a good time for her to step off. Uh, you know, she's, to, she's told a bunch of good stories. So, you know, and, and really brought a bunch of uh, characters into the fold as well as really incorporated some of the uh, the newer. The newer kind of class of New Mutants, as it were. Mm-hmm. Right. I believe uh, their 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 pronoun is they, if I'm not mistaken. I might be slightly wrong about that, but I think that's what that, that's right. So anyway, uh, again? Um, again, I Vida, Vida Ayala's pronouns, I believe, are they. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I believe. You know what? I'm ignorant and old folks. Uh, what is this? Boy, I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, I believe that's right. Uh, uh, so, but don't quote me. I have to go back and check. But either way. Um, yeah, they've done some good work. So does it, does it, either way, that's gonna that's gonna cover that. But Exterminators number one is written by um, Leah Williams, uh, with art by Carlos Gomez, colors by Brian, uh, Brian Valenza, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So basically, I'm just gonna read this off. Boom Boom and Jubilee take uh, Dazzler out on the town after a bad breakup, and they get into some shit. Um, partially having to do with said um, bad breakup, apparently. Um, But you know what? When you have two light-based mutants that can blow some... Well, excuse me, three light... uh, Well, three that can blow some shit up, you know, I think they're going to be all right. And at the end, if you're watching the video version, uh, there's another character uh, from the X-Verse that comes in at the end of this. It was a pretty good. I enjoyed the read of this. I'm kind of looking, uh, interested in seeing what's uh, what comes next out of this. X Terminators was an old '90s book. I believe Jubilee was involved with that version, which she was not pre pre Jubilee. This was is X Terminators is Inferno. Oh right, okay, 
Gotcha. Right? So this is yes. pre-Jubilee, like way before Jubilee. And um, Exterminators was like um, WizKid. Yes. Boom Boom. Boom Boom is, boom the, boom is was the, on it, yeah. the unifying character between the two versions. Right. You know, that was like WizKid, Artie and Leech were yes. in the original. Basically um, the X-Factor kids, but you would have to know who those who those kids were uh, right. from that. But it was tied point. around it was it was basically tied around the Inferno event. Mhm. That is correct. I forgot. Yeah, Ju- yeah. But there might I might be wrong about this. Jubilee might have had a, a version of X uh, Exterminators like in the last 10 15 years, but I might be wrong about that. Or I might be thinking of Ecstatics now that I'm thinking about it. Either way, doesn't matter. It was a kind of a fun book, and I'm looking forward to the next issue. Um, I, I want to go back and reread this again in case I missed something, though, because I kind of skimmed over it. But nevertheless, that is it for me, folks. Uh, clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. This is when I should. This is when I should start using effects. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a couple of books from our other hosts. Uh, Tim said he's going with Judgment Day number five, X Judgment Day number five to be specific. Um, as I put up the the variant cover for that book, and Dirt said he went with, which I'm not sure if I have a cover for, um, Creep Show number one. Yes, I do actually. Oh, it is a number one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was about to say I was gonna I was pulling up comic lists just not just to double check. Yeah, actually I think it's uh, one of five. Yeah, it's a matter of fact, yeah, I do have it on here. It's one of five. Mm, okay. Yeah, uh, and he says uh, he actually wow he said he watched a doc about the messed up production of uh, Creepshow two the other day, so he was writing the right he was in the right mindset for reading this book, and it was definitely a lot of fun with a lot of schlock, which if you know anything about Creepshow. Creepshow that's probably what you're there for. <laughs> I, I, I was about to say, I, I am unfamiliar with Creepshow as a concept, as a, as a property. Who is the publisher on this? Uh, I'm not sure. I can't see. I'm looking that up right now. That's why yeah. I'm, oh, it's Image. Oh, yeah. Actually, I think it says. It's an Image book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a, wait, I think it's the Skybound also. Is it Image and Skybound? From what I'm looking at the cover, either way, uh, it's an image pulling book. up, I'm pulling up the cover now. So yeah, I have it the cover of a screen. Definitely is an but, image book. Yeah. Either way, if that's your thing, have at it. Um, do you have? Oh yeah, it does look like Sky. Yeah, that's Skybound next to the image logo. Right. Yeah. So, um, do I, I have a click? I I have you. two strong candidates, like two really strong candidates. Okay. You know, one of them is Nightwing. It's not. It wouldn't be the first time I chose Nightwing, right? But the other is AXE Judgment Day number five mm-hmm. because we waxed poetic about it. We really did, and it feels right. It feels like it would be a shame to waste all of that hot air <laughs> and not pick AXE Judgment Day number five of six as my click of the week. So I'm going to go with that AXE okay. Judgment Day number five of six. I'm going to back Tim Dog ninety eight up on that. Saw that. Matter of fact, yeah. Let me put that in there while I'm thinking about it right now for myself. Um, I definitely can go along with one of those because X was was pretty good. The Flash actually was one for me, as I said, because like I said, even though I have, have I have not been keeping up with anything with the Dark Crisis book, as a standalone issue, that one actually was a, a pretty fun read. Um, Jane Foster kind of was was one. Strange actually was I, I you know I, I I've been liking that book anyway. I kind of even though I kind of. I, I kind of glossed over it, but I think I'm actually going to 
Oh yes, uh, Black Adam. I think I don't think I said uh, Black Adam number four was also. Uh, but out of my actual, um, you mean Iron Cat? No, no, no. Uh, sorry, Black Adam. Oh, Black Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Black Adam was definitely one. Flash was one, and Axe. I think those were pretty much the three main ones uh, as potentials. But I think, like I said, I think I'm actually going to very much swerve and say Exterminator's number one, even though I kind of glanced over that book. All right. I was about to say, you pasted oh. uh, AXE Judgment Day into your slot, so I'm typing in Exterminator's number one into oh. your slot on Clicks of the Week. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And I literally just noticed. I'm like, wait a second. I think he meant to paste it into my it, slot. Yeah, I did, actually. And Right. Being, and, put it in, and you put it into your own. I'm like, yeah. no. I think that's. I think this is what he means. Being too happy, uh, trying to get stuff out the way. So anyway, folks, we're gonna get in stuff out of the way really quickly. We are going to go into the news section, but first, an ad read. Yes, we're gonna go through the news very quickly because we had a lot to talk about leading up. You know, leading off the show. So, mm-hmm. our first ad read of the night is for Funko Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including T-shirts, hats, and socks. And brand merchandise such as their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into something we're going to try to go quickly through the news. And as I try to transition over, boop, whoop, cinematic news MCU star Sebastian Stan opens up about finally joining the Thunderbolts. Uh, according to the Direct, the Winter Soldier actor was on stage with the rest of the Thunderbolts cast at D23 Expo to talk about their upcoming film, which is set uh, to close out Phase 5 of the MCU. Uh, quote, Well, listen, you know, these are my kinds of people, explained Stan as to why Bucky Bonds was a part of the titular team. They look like a good, troubled bunch, and maybe I know a thing or two about that, and I'm just really glad to be back. I guess join a team of some sorts. End quote. So there you go. Um, next up. Ant-Man and the Wasp villain teases her complicated Thunderbolts return. So Hannah John Kamen discussed in an interview um, after D23's announcement of the character's return. And when asked how Ghost will factor into the group's dynamic, John Kamen answered, well, she doesn't like to be touched, so that's going to be interesting. She's quite socially, well, she's not social. She grew up in the vat, so she never had human contact with anyone it's going to be interesting for ghost to connect and uh basically she also talks about how the thunderbolts are going to bring together these characters from the disparate franchise franchises and cap off phase five of the mcu so um you know take a look at this article to see what else she has to say i can jump came in she's uh if, if some folks may know her from um killjoys she was great in that so you know, mm-hmm. Good stuff. Uh, Ant Man three. Uh, Kevin Feige confirms Quantum Mania's ties. Uh, Quantum Mania ties to that. Just try that again. Quantum Mania ties directly to Avengers five. Basically, 
Uh, so, which uh, was going to be Avengers the Kang Dynasty, for, for those who did not know. So, it says here that early reports had Kang as the primary antagonist of the movie, which continues the story of two twin, uh, generations of heroes in the form of Hank Pym, uh, Janet Van Dyne, Scott Lang, and Hope Pym. No surprise that the team team up movie will deal with his master plan. Rolls out of uh, the events of of uh, of the events of Quantumania, which in turn is likely to uh, be tied to the shenanigans of the, in the first season of Loki, uh, of course, and roll right into uh, Avengers: The Kang Dynasty when that happens uh, in 2025, which doesn't seem like a real date. Um. But this article just kind of goes on to make the connection in between, or speculate on the connection between the, uh, those movies and such. That we don't necessarily have to go through. You can check it out in the uh, show notes. Next up. So apparently, in the MCU at least, the Avengers are no more because Kevin Feige has let it be known that that is the fact. And there's a vacuum in the MCU that the Thunderbolts are going to look and try to fill. So this is not unlike... What happened in the wake of Onslaught? It's a right. parallel, at least. So, you know, this is not, you know, unprecedented in the comic book realm. So it, it makes some sense that this might happen. But ultimately, we also know that there are future movies that have the Avengers title in it. So <laughs> uh, we have a sneaking suspicion that this is a temporary thing. Sure. Next. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Or at the very least, it's not going to be the Avengers that we've already been accustomed to. I'll put it that way. Right. It'll be a form of Avengers. Right. Uh, the Marvel's first footage reveals Carol, Monica, and Kamala combining powers. So this is was pretty much uh, clo- behind closed doors at D23. We kind of talked about it, but we kind of didn't. I don't think we mentioned the fact that there was closed door footage uh, at the expo. But if we did, nope. then... We did, but we just didn't know. We, you know, like we obviously didn't have enough information to talk about um, what had been shown. You right. know, obviously with leaks coming out, more, you know, like more leaks coming out, we're going to find out more about it. Right. But you know, we only we only we only mentioned that there was stuff that was not shown and not released. We only were able to literally talk about the stuff that was made public at the behest of Disney and Marvel. Right, but basically the the crux of it is uh, looks like all three all those characters will be trading uh, places whenever mm-hmm. one of them uses their powers, according to this article. So there is that. Right, so it's a bit of a play on the historical Marvel Rick Jones story. So it's an adaptation of that and dealing with Spectrum and Kamala Khan. Right. So you know it's a it's a it's definitely a remix. <laughs> To say the it least. is. It's definitely yeah. a remix right. no, of right. that concept and adapting it to, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, th- th- this crop of Captain Marvel based characters. So mm-hmm. next up, Ms. Marvel has reportedly been greenlit for a second season. So. Well, so again. these reports are currently unconfirmed. Right. So this is according to a, a quote-unquote scooper, and um, you know that's the that's the most information that we have so far. Right. Normally we we try to try to 
don't put too much stock on reports and stuff like that. But, you know, certain certain things that are titillating, you know, you, you want to at least address, I guess. Um, Thor Love and Thunder concept art reveals vastly different Eternity design. Um, so, yeah, concept artist Jeremy Love, no relation, posted a series of images to his Instagram showcasing one of the several early iterations of Eternity for the film, which includes Eternity... Uh, towering above a brutalist-inspired stone gate. The conceptualization of Eternity seems uh, more closely resembles the, the, the character's typical look throughout the various uh, Marvel Comics titles than Eternity ultimately used in uh, the final version of the film. And uh, if you're watching the, uh, the video version of this program, you can see, I guess, some concept art um, from the tweet that was uh, mentioned Mm-hmm. Next up, Regal Black. This is a Regal Cinemas. Actually, no, it's not. It's just a Regal. Right. So a Regal looking oh, man. <laughs> Titles, you know, syntax, grammar, right? So it's a Black Panther two poster that is that that portrays the characters uh, Shuri, Nakia, and Queen Ramonda in a very Regal way. That's the best way to put it. Unites the Women of Wakanda. So this is a poster uh, done by Ryan Minerding, who is the VP and creative director of the visual development at Marvel Studios. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Again, if you're watching the video version, you can see said said um, said image. Uh, Marvel Studios defends controversial uh, Captain America for superhero casting, which I did not know there was a controversy about it, but there was. Well, I, yeah, apparently. Um, so it was. So this is uh, centered around the casting of um, Israeli actor Shira Haas as Sabra, the mutant massage agent, uh, the, the superhero that we know is coming to uh, Captain America New World Order. Uh, apparently, says here, according to this article at least, uh, the, the character has caused some measure of controversy. But it's the internet, I'm not surprised because people are stupid. Anyway, when asked about the issue by the New York Times, Marvel Studios declined to answer. However, in a statement, the studio said, while our character, quote, uh, while our characters and stories are inspired by the comics, they are always freshly imagined for the screen and today's audience. And the filmmakers are taking a new approach with the character Sabra, uh, who was first introduced in the comics over 40 years ago, end quote. So, uh, it says here, the controversy surrounding Sabra's inclusion is rooted in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, several human rights organizations, including uh, Amnesty International, has criticized Israeli's policies towards Palestine, stating uh, Palestinians are treated as inferior, comparing their systematic supp- uh, suppression to apartheid. Uh, so I guess that's where that stems from. Uh, and it says that there are concerns that by introducing Sabra, the MCU would potentially appear to glorify Israel, according to this article. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, next up. Next up, so Armor Wars, the uh, Disney Plus series is officially set to introduce War Machine's personal arsenal of high-tech suits. Marvel's official description for the series confirms Don Cheadle's James Rhodey Rhodes, a.k.a. War Machine, will be donning multiple suits of high-powered armor throughout the series. So, um, you know, it it actually says featuring different types of armor. And I'm like, uh, so who's built? I guess he had a stash of these armors? That's what was, yeah, that's what I would be thinking. Like, maybe there's like two or three that Tony had to the side or something. 
Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So I'm like, who's building it? Are they going to put Riri in this? No. Or are they going to make? Are they going to give Rhodey a, a, a version of the forge that Spidey had? I mean, that could actually possibly could be the case. You know, that might be it. Yeah. That might be it. You'd think that, um, you know, I guess uh, they each bring their own uh, specialized information and 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 knowledge uh, to the building. Uh, process and the design process right. that wouldn't be the, the the worst storytelling move right i mean in relation to tony obviously he would know where there's some you know he would definitely have access and would probably know where some wars are anyway so it's all about whether or not you need to be as smart as peter to really utilize it right that's the kicker like you would hope that it would be something that roadie would be able to like i said use his expertise to adapt his you know to 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 you know to Hmm. You know, uh, 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 and utilize the input that he can give to design a suit. Or it, it was made, or the one that's probably made for him is kind of specially tied to him. That way you won't have to. Like, you're, I guess that's kind of what you were saying. That's what I was getting yeah, at, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, tying to mm-hmm. his expertise as opposed to, like, giving Peter kind of free reign with his forge. Right. So, yeah. But we don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm, part of me is still kind of going through this and that he probably just had some, Tony had some extra suits. Extra warm uh, machine suits, or probably made some, and we just hadn't seen them. You know, especially since what happened to Rhodey during the, during um, um, whatever movie Civil War. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't realize this next story that you're about to read. Ooh, <laughs> yes, Sony delays three Marvel movies, including Craven Hunter, Craven the Hunter, and Madam Web. Um. Mm-hmm. So according to this uh, quote, uh, there are movies I would call adjunct to the Spider-Man universe, uh, says uh, Sony president Tim Rothman, previously um, said of Mo- Sony's Marvel plans. Uh, that's Craven, which we are shooting now, and Madam Web, which we will start shooting in spring with S.J. Clark directing. And then there are many Marvel characters that are standalone. Uh, but according to this article, also, it says that... Um, Sony Pictures announced new release dates for the for those three for three movies. Those two included. Um, what's, I don't, I'm not sure what the other one though. Uh, let's see, Clever and Hunter is moving from January 13th, 2023, to October 6th, 2023. Uh, Madam Mask is moving from October 6th, 2023, to February 16th, 2024. Um, and there's another currently untitled Sony Marvel movie that is previously dated for June 7th, 2024, which will pretty much come up a month later in July 12th, 2024. So I kind of wonder if that's probably the, the new, um, that the new, uh, Peter movie. I don't know, but it doesn't really say either way. Yeah. They're getting pushed. Um, there you go, folks. Ain't really much else to say about that except for why those do those uh, exist. Next up. Next up, believe it or not, the new Mutants Fox movie that was originally released in theaters on August 28th, 2020 is coming to Disney Plus on October 14th, 2022 in time for Halloween. They probably timed it for that. Likely. Which I still haven't seen that movie. And actually there's Same. some some kind of related news uh actually now that i'm thinking about it that's coming up later on in this in the news story that's which is did it drop to it dropped to netflix right or hulu i forget which streaming service had it for probably hulu more likely because i don't remember seeing it on um 
on uh, Netflix. Okay. Yeah. But next up, um, actually, this is news. This is probably uh, good news for Agent 70, even though th- there's always an a- already an avenue for this. Disney I own Plus. it! Well, that too. Also, actually, I also own it. Uh, Disney Plus adds Spectacular Spider-Man animated series in October. Spectacular, Spectacular Spider-Man. You started singing. I'm going to finish. Hey, that's, that's you know, I was, that was what I was going for. Um, so, yeah, Spectacular Spider-Man is going to be on Disney Plus. Uh, I believe we had a... a recent article saying that it's also that it also came through netflix uh, and believe that was a couple of weeks ago if i'm not mistaken right right so i guess that, that that's going to be the transition mm-hmm. uh it's going to go from netflix to disney plus what's the date on that or i well so according to so this this is kind of what gives me pause about that statement what you just said because one it hadn't been on netflix that long and two according to an independent fan site what's on disney plus it says October 19th mm. for that. So grain of salt, basically. Uh, because this, I don't think this has been con- uh, officially confirmed anywhere. And well, plus, it says like, at the bottom of the article, October 19th. Well, yeah. And well, yeah, I mean, it says that, like I said, the second, uh, the, the first paragraph says that. Um, and, and it does note that it is already, that it's on Netflix. So I don't know okay. if it's, yeah. So like, it's still grain of salt it though, because like I said, we don't, I don't know if we have any. Oh, you mean whether or not it's going to come off Netflix? Or, well, that too, or whether it's going to actually be. Like I said, this is coming from some fan site, so we don't. So, so this article just kind of run with the fact that it's going to be on October 19th. I see, I see, I see, I see. Right. I, like, I didn't, I didn't read the article all the way through, so now I see what you mean because this is still kind of speculation. Exactly. And like I said, oh. the, fact that it, and the fact that it just came to Netflix, I don't know if they just pull it off that quick. So if they were going to pull it off at all, you know, it could I be mean, in multiple places. Exactly. It could very well exist in, in multiple places if it's going to uh, come, if it's going to do that. Nevertheless, uh, next up. So in some sad news, but understandable at this point, Disney has removed the Patty Jenkins Star Wars film Rogue Squadron from its release calendar because it's been beset by problems. It no longer holds its December 22nd, 2023 release date, according to Variety. Yeah, like, like we said, it, this news does not surprise any of us because it has been a troubled production. It was delayed in November indefinitely, last November, and uh, there were creative differences between Lucasfilm and Patty Jenkins. So uh, we'll see if this ever sees the light of day. Yep. But just like something else that we'll talk about later on, it very well could. Um, American born Chinese. Which, I was about to say Black Adam eventually made it. Yeah, that is yeah, that is also true. Yeah, um, American born Chinese first look with um, um, Michelle Yeoh stars as a myth- mythological goddess in Disney Plus series. So this also was announced. Actually, it kind of sort of was announced at Disney uh, at D twenty three, but I didn't really. It wasn't in anything that any articles that we had. Uh, um initially and i think it might have come out like the the a day or two after or something like that i'm not sure either way uh it's a new disney plus show i just thought i'd bring this up um now you may be wondering what the what the comic book angle of this it is based off of a genre hopping graphic novel by gene luen yang um of the same name so just in case you were kind of curious about that and wondering why this is news, there you go. And if, and because of the fact that it's Michelle Yo, that's also why I would just would have put it in there in first. I'm not ashamed about that fact because we love us uh, and Michelle Yo around these camps. Um, so 
it says here, American Born Chinese tells the story of Jin Wang, uh, Ben Wang, uh, I guess is the actor, uh, an average teenager juggling his high school social life with his home life. When he meets a new student on his first day of school, school year, even more words collide as Jin is unwittingly entangled in a battle of Chinese mythological gods. So there you go. Uh, it is going to be released on Disney Plus in sometime in 2023. And it goes through uh, some of the creative team behind some of the episodes. Uh, and cast. So, next up. The Witcher Season 3 has wrapped filming. Season 3 of Netflix's hit fantasy series, which I've never watched. Have you, Roddy Cat? I watched the first couple of episodes and said I'd come back to it. Okay. So, um, it has wrapped production, as I said, after five months and a minor delay. And um, let's see when the anticipated release date is, if there is one. Oh, so it does not have... Uh, premiere date set right now, but the right. first two seasons are on Netflix. Yep. Uh, Superman and Lois cast Walking Dead actor as classic Superman villain. So, Walking Dead alum uh, Chad L. Coleman's villain in Superman and Lois season three has been officially confirmed to be Bruno Mannheim, head of Intergang. Okay, and I only know that character from Superman animated series. And I was going to say, I'm like, how is that a, a classic villain? If that's the only time I've ever seen that character, but well, I mean, what? other people probably have, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, obviously, it's an adaptation of the comic book character, but again, Boy, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, and we've seen Intergang, I believe, in the Justice League um, uh, cartoon, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think. Manhattan was. Either way, there you go. There's that. Next up. Star Girl star Breck Bassinger or Basinger. Basinger I see me, yeah. Is it Basinger? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As in. Just like Kim Basinger? Her daughter, yes. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Look at that. I was mm-hmm. guessing at that. I did not realize that was her daughter. Mm-hmm. I seemingly confirmed a crossover between Star Girl and Titans. Oh, stay away from that show, girl. <laughs> Sharing a behind-the-scenes photo in which she, in her Stargirl costume, is posing with Titan star Ryan Potter, uh, a.k.a. Beast Boy. Mm. Okay. Honestly, if you see her, you can kind of tell. I'll put it that way. Okay. I mean, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily say put it as a one-to-one, but you can kind of tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, so yeah, I kind of agree with you to stay away from the Titans thing, but hey, what are you going to do? Um... J.J. Abrams' Constantine and Madam Xanadu TV series Dead at HBO Max. So put that on the list of, of dead projects at HBO Max, uh, folks. But there's a, a slight bit of good news in the next article, I think. Um, at least I know for, for some folks. So, yeah, the reporting reveals uh, Warner Brothers Television and J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot are still on board with both projects and expect to find a new home for them elsewhere. Um, we all know about what's going on. Well, we kind of sort of know what's going on over at HBO Max and, and Warner Brothers. So it's it's wrapped up in all of that. Next up. Deadline reports that Warner Brothers is developing a brand new sequel to the 2005 Constantine movie. Keanu Reeves is back as Constantine. Whoa. With Francis <laughs> Lawrence back to direct Constantine 2. Deadline also reports Akiva Goldsman will write the screenplay and produced the project through his Weed Road Pictures alongside Bad Robots' J.J. Abrams and Hannah Minghella. Okay. 
Yeah, I still have not seen this movie, but I know there are people who love this movie and never honestly, watched it myself. Either, yeah, it's so. on. I know it's on HBO Max. I believe it's also on Netflix. I might be wrong about one. Oh, well, I know HBO Max definitely because I saw it. Um, but I think it might be on uh, Netflix also. So I guess I'll probably watch it one of these days. Who knows? While it's still at one of those places. Black Adam finally shows shows Pierce Brosnan in his Doctor Fate suit. Um, so there's a new commercial for Black Adam that finally the the movie, by the way, folks. If in case that wasn't clear, I don't know why it wouldn't be, but um, finally shows uh, Pierce Brosnan clad in the attire of Doctor Fate. Uh, the former James Bond actor's character in the upcoming DC Extended Universe movie. There you go, folks. Uh, then it goes in, goes through to the beats of the commercial, which I will not go through. But if you um, are watching the video, you can see uh, Pierce Brosnan in the suit, or at least partially, uh, without helmet. Because you know that's how movies do. Next up. Of course. We make jokes about that all the time. Oh, yeah. Next, Next up. up in an article by our very own at TimDog98, Warner Brothers Discovery may find itself merging, bought out by NBC Universal at some point in 2024. This is according to uh, analysts in um, several trade publications. So, you know, the, the speculation in The Hollywood Reporter was that... Um, the head of uh, Warner Brothers Discovery is looking to get the place sold and that the folks over at NBC Universal are looking to upgrade what they have because Peacock stinks. So, uh, or at least that's the, uh, the, 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 um, the attitude, that's the, um, the position that this uh, particular analyst has taken. And so, you know, with the Warner Brothers Discovery stock being low, it seems that uh, they might be ripe for a merger that kind of sucks because that's a lot of IP under one umbrella. Yes. Plus, it's NBC Universal, which someone would wonder, one, if they have the money to pull off such a, such a merger, if not, you know, the um, the expertise to. Right. What, you know, there's some speculation that they might sell off shares into uh, from Hulu. And maybe, you know, mm. that might actually, um, you know, uh, finance right. the purchase. Kind of uh, offset some stuff. Discovery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, um, I was going to talk about that new Quantum Leap, which uh, started uh, this week. I did not get a chance to watch it yet, but I will definitely mention it next week uh, when I do. Um, Invincible's third season apparently is already in production, according to Kari Payton. Uh, who says that he has finished recording season two and is in the process of recording the subsequent uh, uh, season three. So that's good news. At some point, we'll get <laughs> season two of that doggone show. Um, and I, I was about to say, we haven't seen a season two, and they're talking nope. about season three being in production. But right. that's the nature of animation. Right. Well, yeah, trying to get a lot of the, enough stuff out of the way so they can, you know, because obviously the voice work, you know, is, is one thing they can got to get a good bit out of the way of. Or some mm-hmm. of it at least uh, uh, seem to be get out of the way of, uh, you know, outside of the animation or whatever. No, uh, no. So that makes some sense, you know. But nevertheless, at some point we'll get season two, much less season three of uh, Invincible. Uh, now we're going to go into, uh, definitely like that, uh, Anime Corner. 
All righty. So Genshin Impact, I guess, is a video game. Yep. And it is about to get an anime adaptation, according to the uh, writer of this article, of course. So I am unfamiliar with this concept, this game concept. So if you have anything to add, Roddy Cat, uh, go ahead. Sure. Because that's mean, the news. Yes. Um, so, yes, Genshin Impact is a, basically a, an open world MMO. If uh, folks out there who've played uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, it's pretty much a lot of like that. It's got a gotcha component in it in that you can get char- characters if you have mm-hmm. enough currency uh, to add to your party and this and that and the other. Uh, but now it's getting an anime, which surprised it hasn't had one before now. As granted, this game's been out what probably about two, three years, or probably longer overseas. But yeah, there you go. Next up, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen sets date for next season two update, which basically is like it's an update on an update. As someone pointed out to me, I'm like, yes, yes, that's exactly what it is. So, um, let's see, there's a countdown to the second season ending on. Uh, 7.55 on September 25th. Uh, that's JST, so I guess that would be the 26th over here. Uh, that more Jujutsu Kaisen news is on the way. Um, I don't, yeah. Actually, I don't know where that, where that is. It's 6 p.m. September 25th, JST. So I'm not sure where that relates to over here. Nevertheless, we'll find out uh, around that time. <laughs> if, if not the 25th, it'll probably be the 26th for us, I guess. I don't know. So, or anyway, you know what? I'm not going to shut up now. Next up. Right. So Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the movie has arrived on Crunchyroll. I know this is supposed to drop midweek this week. Obviously, we are inundated with content, folks. We literally had like 40 minutes of discussion at the top of the show just on the content that we had to watch in the last week. So my understanding is that it dropped, what, like on Wednesday or Tuesday, something like that? Yes. So it's out there now on Crunchyroll if you subscribe. So um, I have not watched it yet. I was planning on doing it this weekend. Hopefully I can squeeze it in probably, you know, probably right after I watch Rings of Power. Hmm. Um, Have you done your changeover? To Crunchyroll, yeah. yeah. It's been okay. a while. It's been okay. a couple of months. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, I yeah, I saw this out there. I was like, oh, I need to go watch that. Um, but I hadn't done that yet. Um, last in the anime news, Mob Psycho 100 voice actor quits over union dispute. Uh, the voice actor of the, the titular character Mob from the popular anime Mob Psycho 100 revealed that he left the series due, series due to a disagreement with Crunchyroll. Uh, in a video uploaded to his YouTube channel, uh, voice actor Kyle McCarley, so it's the, the English dub, uh, shared that it's unlikely he will reprise his role as Mob due to Crunchyroll's unwillingness to discuss using Union SAG after contract. Uh, Ooh, McCarley, well, that's good. Yeah, no, I've been hearing stuff about this uh, lately and, uh, from not just this person, but like other voice actors apparently and, and so that's not good on Crunchyroll and I guess by proxy Sony who owns them now 
which you forget about that part. <laughs> but anyway, uh, McCarley said that the dispute doesn't boil down to money. Uh, Crutcherose, uh, according to this article, simply doesn't want to use a union contract. He explained that he doesn't typically accept non-union work, rightfully so. Um, with 99.9% of the work that I do, quote unquote, quote, uh, that would be the end of the conversation for me, I would say. Thank you very much for the opportunity, but I don't work non-union. So good for him on that. So, all righty. So we're trans- we're transitioning over to the manga news mm-hmm. slash comic book news. Mm-hmm. Play. Thank you. Hunter X Hunter manga finally returns in November of this year. So, as reported by Polygon, the Shonen Jump Twitter account confirmed that the next volume of Hunter X Hunter will be released in Japan on November fourth. Okay. Cool. The previous volume was re- last released on October 4th, 2018, so it's been a while. Yeah, just a bit. I know people are. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, for that it was one. due to health issues that the creator was stopped from. Mm-hmm. He was forced to stop, so that's unfortunate. But thankfully, it looks like uh, the creator is now able to return to the series. Yeah, and I think we talked about that when that happened. But um, anime fans' massive manga collection displays in a museum because it belongs in a museum. Um. Mm. Mm. So, as reported by, uh, reported by the Asa, um, Asahi uh, Shimbun manga collector Takanobu uh, Sugi recently donated his entire uh, Tetsuka collection to the Hashima Movie Museum, a museum in uh, Hashima City. Uh, Sugi's collection has become the centerpiece of a new display dedicated to um, Osamu uh, Tetsuka of uh, Astro Boy fame, if, if folks did not know that, which I'm sure folks did um let's see da, 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 da. it's uh presented in celebration of astro boy's 70th anniversary in addition to astro boy tetsuka's uh most famous series um uh, tetsuke's uh, collection also features memorabilia related to the artist's other works including the jungle jungle emperor and black jack and i believe i only know of one of those <laughs> outside of astro boy so cool Next up. Nintendo revealed the fitness (laughs) boxing fist of the North Star game. Yes. On Tuesday for release in March 2023 in English and in Japan on December 22nd. Really? I saw this and laughed my ass off. I'm like, because if you know about fist of the North Star, it's kind of similar to one star in that it kind of revolves around like the character gets one punch off and that's your ass. Uh, to a point, anyway. I mean, yeah, there's some Dragon Ball style fighting to a point, but ultimately, like once you get hit that one time, <laughs> just that's it. Your head explodes. That's it. But they made a fit, uh, fitness boxing game out of it, which I thought was silly, but also slightly genius. So, will I play it? No. But nevertheless, I, I will very much look at some gameplay footage of that one of these days when there's more of it. Uh, Diamond Select reveals Power Rangers statue. All right, so this is for the Switch. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes. That the 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 the, mm-hmm. the boxing game was for the Switch. Yes. All right. All right. Go ahead. Uh, Diamond Select reveals a Power Rangers statue featuring the new Green Ranger. So, um, yeah, Diamond Select is bringing one of the newer additions to the Power Rangers franchise to life with the latest uh, gallery diorama. Uh, let's see. It says here that for fifty four ninety five, you can get the um, 
the excuse me the um the newest green ranger from the mighty Morphin power rangers book uh, the, from the boom series which is not tommy it is matthew cook which is one of the uh is a friend of the the rangers which they that, that all whole thing came together but in true rangers fire fashion eventually they didn't know who it was at first and then they did and it wasn't a surprise because it was someone close to him not a surprise um so yeah Actually, wait. It says here you can pre-order for fifty four ninety nine, but it's actually retails for fifty nine ninety nine and expects to ship in the spring of twenty twenty three. And if you're watching the video version, you can see the version. You can see the statue there. Next, Mattel details a He Man fortieth anniversary figure. So uh, this was revealed in a video uh, that detailed the design process. So, yeah, this is a 40th anniversary figure that looks pretty detailed and pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. If you're a big fan of Motu stuff. Exactly. You know, Motu came a little bit after I kind of started to get out of, like, my initial run on action figures as a kid. But I had a He-Man figure, but I didn't really dive into, like, Grayskull or anything like that. Yeah, I had friends who did, though. Which I kind of want to do the the the... the Masters of the Universe thing, but I'm not going to do that. So we're going to push Wait, on now. Yes. Okay. But now I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that, but basically I think I might've had a human figure and probably a man in, man in arms and or a Skeletor or something like that. All I had was He-Man. Like I had a friend, like a, a neighbor kid who I played with who had like some more Motu stuff, but we didn't have much together. Right. You know, like he had, uh, who you know, he like we're still kind of friends now. We've obviously fallen out of touch, but he had uh, more Star Wars stuff. I had more GI Joe stuff. Mm, gotcha. Oh, speaking of that, GI Joe came out this week that I didn't read. Anyway, Hasbro Pulse Con announces twenty twenty two return with Star Wait, was Wars. That the, was that the fi- that's not the final issue, no, right? We still got two no, more to go. About okay, yeah. Sorry, um, Go ahead. No, no, it's fine. Um, Hasbro Pulse Con announces 2022 return with Star Wars and Transformers exclusives. Exclusives. So it's set to stream uh, live from September 30th to October 1st. Um, apart from celebrating Hasbro's dozens of fan favorite uh, brands, Pulse Con will be hosted by Holes actor Cleo Thomas um, and is slated to reveal a plethora of new products as well as news of various upcoming projects uh, alongside the announcement hasbro has revealed the new figures from gi joe um, transformers Andor, and the mandalorian so stay tuned for no mo- news on that after that happens next up all righty so hasbro pulse has come out with its most with its with its uh with a new announcement of a Haslab project that is Marvel based and that is the engine of vengeance that is Robbie Reyes's Ghost Rider including the Hell Charger. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. It also has a couple of stretch goals. One of them is announced here in this um and you know in this article where a human Robbie Reyes is one of the incentives once the project is backed. There is a stretch goal, though, and that stretch goal um, that comes with um, – I'm, I'm actually pulling up the, um, the project now uh, because I believe it was announced officially that one of the stretch goals is Mephisto. 
Mephisto confirmed. Right? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't right. So it's actually going to be. There's actually going to be a Mephisto action figure. It's actually not on the Hasbro Pulse website, but I did see an article about it in my social media feed. And uh, that's my understanding. Mm-hmm. It has to reach a certain level of backing. Right now, this project is not yet fully funded, but it is more than halfway there with more than 38 days left. We'll see. This is an expensive project. Mm-hmm. With, the, with, the, with the, 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 the Hell Charger, there's lights. Obviously, they're doing a lot more with these uh, HasLab uh, projects, you know, they 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 in, in incorporate a lot more electronics and lights into Galactus, and that's what they're using to, you know, jack up the price on uh, the Hell Charger. But this is going to cost you three hundred and fifty dollars to back. So hopefully, more enough people back it so that you you know can maybe make some of this money back by maybe selling some of the other figures. If you don't, if you're not happy, you know, if you if you don't care for them, but you know maybe you get more for your money if enough people back it. That's the that's what Haslab is hoping. Right. So did it? You, so you said you're on the thing. Did it reach the goal that it was trying to? The first goal that it was trying to get to before to, uh, the end of the day. Okay. Not yet. It's at. Uh, it's 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 more than halfway though. The target is nine thousand. It's right. oh, more than fifty three hundred. Hmm. So Actually, we'll see if it matches it by. Uh, uh, technically, it's over with now, but. By October thirty first. Right. Or at least that initial. Yeah. So. Okay, next up. Um, Marvel's next ride at Disneyland has been revealed. It will uh, feature multiverse battle against King Thanos. So this this came out of D23 Expo. Oh, Um, I'm sorry. What's that? What? What? The first tier after 9,000 is 12,000. I just have to keep scrolling in the article. The Mephisto information is on the HasLab uh, project website. So so the project has to get to 12,000 backers. In order to unlock Mephisto, I apologize. Okay, uh, Disney Parks has revealed the next phase of its Avengers campus at uh, Disney California Adventure as a new ride that will focus on the Marvel multiverse. Uh, the, that ride hasn't been unnamed. I mean, hasn't been named yet. Excuse me, apologies. But we will see riders assist in a grand multiversal battle against the aforementioned King Thanos, and will feature multiple iterations and versions of Marvel heroes. Uh, there's a promotional image that's shown in this article, um, and uh, looks like it uh, shows off a mix of iconic Avengers characters from recent or upcoming uh, Disney Plus shows, and some variant characters all doing battle against uh, King Thanos. So, uh, and that will be... I guess they're doing that now, but I don't see when that's going to come into play. I guess it might be already be there. Well, it'll probably be there soon, regardless. Anyway, next up. Marvel Entertainment and Motive Studio are teaming up for an all-new Iron Man video game, kind of similar to what had been rumored before, in that it's an all-new single-player, third-person, action-adventure Iron Man video game, probably from the point of view of the armor, It's you know, from within the armor itself. Uh, no, it's third person. It'll give you no, but it'll give you a view from inside. That's my guess. Maybe, maybe. Um, so actually, I need to. I'm. I thought I had it, but there's the old Iron Man game that Sega did. Uh, that was terrible, by the way. But um, I, I still want to get it and play it on stream one of these days if I can find it. But yeah, I I want to say. So I saw this and I was like, is this that same one that got 
that was brought up recent previously and got canceled could very well be, but I'm not entirely sure. But they're they're saying that this is all new, and that might have. I'm not sure if that was with EA or with a, a different company. And right, I think that one is studio. the one that's supposed to be first person. This one seems to be third person. My guess is that they might do targeting first person. We'll see. Just to give people that HUD display. So we'll see. Maybe. Yeah. 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 That's we'll just see. speculation on my part. Right. So. We shall see. It, it was interesting to see this after, like I said, knowing that there had been a previous uh, project fairly recently canceled. Not like recent recently, but like not too long ago canceled. And then this right. kind, of, kind of pops back up. So anyway, next up. Uh, Marvel is giving away free digital comics in every episode of She-Hulk. Uh, I guess we probably mentioned that in the first second episode or something like that. There's QR codes in the episodes that you can... Um, go and uh, scan to, that'll net you a free comic book related to the uh, to She-Hulk or whatever show. I mean, they've been doing this with uh, um, a few of the Marvel shows, so that's not this is not new territory. But I believe there is has been one in pretty much every almost every episode of She-Hulk, which I don't think there was one in this last episode. So, um, but nevertheless, like I said, this article kind of kind of goes into what uh, has been given uh, so far, I believe. Next up. All right, next up, Marvel has uh, announced its New York Comic-Con 2022 panel schedule. So they have a schedule here. I'm not going to go deep into it, but there is a panel scheduled for each day. Friday has two panels. Thursday has one. Friday has two. Saturday has two. And Sunday has one. So if you are attending New York Comic-Con, like myself, see if any of these panels fit into your schedule. I'm guessing, yeah. Ooh, I, I have a feeling you would have probably wanted to go to that first one, but then probably won't be able to make that one. I don't. I don't have a ticket for Thursday. Oh well, okay. Then you definitely won't be making it to right. that one. Exactly. Anymore. Like this, you know this this past Comic Con, like <clears throat> uh, just very quickly. Uh, you know, obviously last last year's Comic Con was the first one post pandemic, or at least during the pandemic, since we are mm-hmm. still technically in one. Um, even though we're, we're, we're really in the endemic stages. Um, last year was obviously difficult. There was a, a scale back on many things this year is, you know, masks will be required, but we're going to see a lot more of the regular Comic-Con activity. And so I still think a lot of people, you know, based on the ticket sales are still a little bit cautious about what they want to invest yeah. in tickets. So, you know, it's it's obviously smart for uh, big presenters like Marvel and, and whatnot to spread their uh, panels out. So, you know, to try to get, you know, people to come in on those days. Is Matt going? What's that? Is Matt going? Oh, yeah. Okay. We always go. We, you know, we, we don't know, always but... um, show up at the same time right. because our schedules are different. But we always, you know, we're always in the same ticket buying pool. Gotcha. It's an old tradition now. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, X-Men 92 gives Jubilee her most powerful upgrade ever. So this was in uh, spoilers for the um, the last issue of X-Men 92 House of X, uh, XC2. Um, so, let's see. Yeah. So X-Men 92, House of XC2, number five, comes from writer Steve Fox and artist Salva Espin, colorist uh, Israel Silva, and letterer uh, VC Joe Sabina. So apparently uh, the short end is is that Jubilee gets the Phoenix Force. 
apparently. So there you go. I haven't had a chance to read that. Actually, I think I I read the first issue and I think I said I was going to come back. Oh, I read the first two issues and I think I said I was going to come back to it and I never did. <laughs> so now that, it's, now that they're all out, I'll probably check it out now. So if you did not know, it's pretty much the, the X-Men from the X-Men uh, animated series, but with uh, um, but in Krakoa, with the Krakoa leanings. So there you go. Next up. So apparently there were some rumors that X-Men Red was about to be canceled. Apparently. I had, no, I had no idea this was even a rumor. Yeah, me either. I was about to say Roddy Cat is much more uh, online in terms of social media than I. And I had no idea this was an issue. But apparently Al Ewing has debunked it uh, <laughs> himself because the story that he is cooking is not going to come to a boil. Like he's literally using cooking metaphors here. <laughs> the story that he is cooking will not come to a boil um, in number 10, but, you know, there's still number 11 to go, and right now we're only up to number 6, so we've still got a ways to go. Yeah. So I don't know who these people are are trying to kill off the book, but, I mean, X-Men Red's pretty much been one of the better books. So, go figure. Um, Scarlet Witch artist Sarah Pacelli shares a sneak peek at new Marvel series. So we talked about uh, the fact that the, the Scarlet Witch is getting a new series in January. So uh, this is uh, Sarah Pacelli, who's going to be the artist of it, um, showing off some some art, uh, I guess, from the book. So um, really not much is said about that. If you're a fan of art, you might want to check this article out because Sarah Pacelli does some pretty good art. Uh, also colors by uh, Matt Wilson. There you go. And if you're watching the video version, you can see at least one uh, one picture off of the, uh, the her Instagram account. Next up. Next up. So we have some MCUification of the Agatha Harkness character in the pages of Marvel Comics. Marvel's Midnight Suns second issue in a preview of it, uh, or at least new art for Midnight Suns number two, has revealed a redesigned Agatha Harkness who has a drastically younger look than she previously displayed in the Marvel Universe. And so, uh, you know, part of this is uh, uh, delving into the character's secret past. But as I said, it is also to MCUify the character, as we are wont to say here on the show, because most people who are MCU fans will have been introduced to the character through Catherine Hahn's portrayal in WandaVision. Mm-hmm. So... I, I kind of want to say this is not necessarily the first time that they've kind of youngified uh, uh, Agatha Harkness. To this extent, definitely, though, because in that last Scarlet Witch uh, miniseries that she had, or series that she had, uh, there was a kind of younger-ish uh, acting, definitely, uh, and slightly looking Agatha Harkness in that book. And Because I, I, I remember reading it, we were talking about it on this show, and I was like, when did this happen? Because <laughs> as we as as folks in, of a certain vintage know, Agatha Harkness was just like this old old lady with the shawl and her cat ebony, and they have since gone away from that. Like well before the MCUification, um, uh, uh, of the character, but now they got a true MCUification of the character in this uh in, in this uh iteration. So, and if you're watching the video version, you can see the picture in question. So, there you go. Next up, um, Marvel reveals first look at Spider-Man horror series. 
which is called Deadly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Uh, it's, oh no. So it says here, this Halloween season, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man becomes the Deadly Neighborhood Spider-Man. It's written by Taboo of the Black Eyed Peas and B. Earl, who, who, who were both, who, uh, we're both writing that uh, last uh, Werewolf by Night series, uh, but apparently Bureau's doing. We uh, had done Spirits of Vengeance, uh, Spirit Rider, and art by Juan Ferreria. Um, it says here that uh, Deadly Neighborhood Spider Man sees Peter Parker faces demons, literally. Which probably should be actually, but we're not going to split hairs on that one. Before the Spider-Verse ends and Dan Slott and uh, Bagley's Spider-Man number one this October, uh, this revolutionary dark take, quote-unquote, on the Warp Crawler will see Spider-Man's dream trip to Los Angeles turn into a walking nightmare when Deadly deadly Neighborhood Spider-Man swings onto stands October 19th. And there's some preview pages if, if you are so inclined to check them out. Next. So, uh, in news to me, Miles Morales is going to be returning to his classic Spider-Man costume in a new series. So while I don't mind that they're going back to the original costume, I thought that that uh, streetwear vibe costume was kind of lame. Yeah. But I understood why. You know, they wanted to change things up a little bit. But what I'm disappointed by is that Saladin Ahmed is departing the series, departing the character. Hmm. And Cody Ziegler, who I kind of have some mixed feelings about in terms of his writing, is coming on to relaunch Miles in a new series that is going to debut. Uh, looking for the information. Uh, I see the solicitation, but it doesn't say when. Hmm, yeah. Speaking of, uh, solicitations uh, for December have come out for the comic books, of, uh, and we have DCs, Marvels, and I believe Images in the show notes. Right. Why doesn't it say when? I'm not In sh- this article. I don't know. Also, Cody Ziegler, co-writer of uh, She-Hulk. Marvel, she, uh, she, Marvel She-Hulk. On, yeah, on the, the, the TV show. Yeah. Right. His, his, the, the, the run on, um, whatchamacallit, on Spidey, on Amazing Spidey, kind of wanting <laughs> there, there's been some yeah there's been some interesting choices made in, in, his, yeah. uh, in his writing so, it says in, in December let's but... say in any event I'm, I, I, I've scoured this article and it does not have a release date we just have solicitation information yeah it just says December December oh it does say December yeah but it doesn't say a specific date in December oh okay so it is December well as long as it says December they actually haven't gotten around to giving firm dates I was just skimming the article to look to see um, uh, any kind of date indication. So if it says December, that's fine. Right. DC deepens the mystery as to how Alfred has returned. This is um, from basically from last week's uh, Batman versus Robin number one by Mark Wayne uh, Mahmoud Ashrar. I'm not going to really go into this because I said I was going to possibly check this out. But nevertheless, apparently Alfred's back. <laughs> so go figure next up spoiler alert DC finally confirms Ghostmaker's key role in Batman's past so this must have been in uh, what issue is this in 
Batman Tonight. I think that is that the issue that came out this week. Batman the Night number nine. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't been reading this. So you know, basically, this uh, reveals that Ghostmaker's origin. Uh, this you know, the, the Ghostmaker's origin is revealed in Batman the Night number nine, which came out this week. Yeah. So. Okay. But, yeah. Um, the Witcher: The Ballad of Two Wolves has been announced from Dark Horse Comics and CD Projekt Red. Um, it's a new comic series to kick the set to kick off later this year, which there's not much year left. Uh, it's written by Patos. I'm going to butcher this name, so I apologize. Bartos uh, Zisbor, uh, who's written some other Witcher stuff with art and colors by Mickey Montillo. Uh, additionally, letters Hassan Atmane as Elwal. Um, is on the new series as well. It's set to release on December 21st with three more issues to follow. So, you Witcher fans, have at it. Next up. Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the Illyrian Enigma announced. So this is a new comic book series that has been announced by IDW Publishing. And... Uh, it's set between the show's first and second seasons of uh, the original series. And... Oh, no, not the original series, of the of the Strange New World series. I'm right. sorry. Right, right. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, the, we I am in very foreign territory talking about this part of Star Trek, folks. <laughs> Yes, the, the, the very yeah. newer old slash, the, the, the newer slash old part of Star Trek. Exactly. This book is going to be in shops December 21st, 2022. Yep. Last but not least, Gargoyle's comic creative team has been revealed. Um, Dynamite Entertainment revealed that the first creative team for the adaptation of the Disney's beloved anime series Gargoyles. Uh, let's see. Creator and preeminent driver of the characters, Greg Weissman, returns to chronicle the latest adventures of everybody's favorite nocturnal New York City protectors with art by George Cambadius, uh, with a battery of variant uh, cover, covers, because, of course, they're going to do that. Uh, this is going to debut December 7th. So, yeah, you fans, you 90s kids, uh, with your gargoyles and all that kind of stuff, there you go. <laughs> have at hey, it, I folks. was a 90s kid. I'd, I'd, I appreciated Gargoyles, <clears throat> and we've talked about it at <clears throat> length over the course of this show. You know, obviously it's ties with uh, the, you know, it's voice cast ties with Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, some, some, some key folks. So, like I said, I know I'm going to try to take a stab at the show uh, before this book comes out, but it, whether it happens or not, who knows. But it gets a little wonky after you leave the first season. So I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh, actually, I mean, that reminds me I of a... touch with the show. That's when I lost touch with the show is after right. the first season. But that right. first season remains a re- a really strong bit of storytelling and animation. Right. Actually, that kind of reminds me of something going back to what you were saying about filler arcs in comic books. Anime, uh, um, anime and manga uh, lovers know that feeling quite well. <laughs> as there as there are filler arcs in anime and manga at times more more often manga i mean more uh more often anime because the manga manga's you know on a break or something or whatever or ended but 
nevertheless, that's the thing. All right, folks, that is the end of the show. Oh, oh dear. Okay. Before we end the show, though, and before the um, the 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 um, the last ad that uh, Agent Seventy has undoubtedly queued up. I'm going to show you this real quick because I've got to tell them about this beforehand. I got a new figure. Um, why is it slightly bent in the back? I do not know. So there you go, folks. Boom. The Blue Marvel has joined the ranks of my Marvel uh, Legends com- collection. I don't know if you can see that all that well. There Congratulations. Yeah. Yay. So there you go. Um... The builder figure is the controller, which I will not be doing. And plus, this line apparently has a U.S. agent, which I definitely ain't gonna be doing. Let me stop. I probably wouldn't pick up a U.S. agent. Um, and actually, that current Thor figure. So, go figure. But yeah, Blue Marvel, folks. Um, I will pair pair him with uh, the uh, Monica Rambo figure because you know, since they are an item now. <laughs> But that, folks, uh, is that. Uh, you got one more ad read for me, sir? Yeah, one last ad read. And you know we've been at this for a while. This show has gone on. We had a lot to talk about. This is the ad we read when we are running late. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free at the top of the page. Click Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. I apologize, folks. That's how fast I wanted to go through this. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. All right, folks, that's it. End of the show. Go home. I don't know where you got to go, but you got to get the heck out of here. Um, we'll be well, blah, blah, back next week with more She-Hulk, more Andor, more House of uh, Dragon with some rings attached to them. Yeah. Um, all that good stuff. I don't think there's anything else. We, that's pretty much a lot, but <laughs> it's like a lot of lot. Listen, we may even talk about Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. We may even talk about Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. It depends yes. on how much I remember of the original Jujutsu Kaisen. And I may have to like read a wiki. <laughs> it's not spoiling anything. It's just refreshing my memory. Right, and that's what I was thinking about when I saw that article first. I was like, dang, I don't know, I'm not even sure how much I even. Remember. But then again, it's a prequel, so it kind of less matters. Right, because right, it's a prequel to But the, it still the, helps. Yeah, you're right. But I mean, like I said, I don't think it's going to have to do with Yusidori. It might have to do with Goju, Goro, or Gojo, if anything. So I don't remember the characters' names. Okay, so yeah, there oh. you go. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? The, nevertheless, folks, uh, we will, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what we talk about when we right. get to that point next. Right. And the fall premiere of several anime series are, is co- are coming up soon in, in early October. Oh, oh, that's right. Because uh, Spy, Spy, uh, Spy Time Family is actually this week or next week. Actually, it's coming up oh, soon. Oh, is it? Yeah. This, it was 10 days Spy from when I last... I think it's like... It might be next week. I was about to say, I think the week after is My Hero Academia. Mm. October 6th. So... 
Yeah, I've seen been, been seeing people catching up with uh, my heroes. Like, yeah, I'm gonna take a stab at that, but goddamn it, that's five seasons. <laughs> but it goes it goes quickly. Yeah, I know. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that works out. Nevertheless, folks, looks uh, not to believe it is too much longer. Um, I have been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore dirt on Twitter. Pop Culture Nerd on Twitter. Pop Culture Network.com is on the brother site therein. Tim DOGD98 on Twitter. Uh, also, uh, TB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles Twitter account. Also, uh, The Click Nation on Twitter. That's T H E K L I Q N A T I O N. TheClickNation.com. And also, of course, uh, he's over at comicbook.com where he's over there writing his face off. Uh, which probably should be fingers off, but y- y'all y'all get it. Is it. I'm not changing it now. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network. That's ESPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this on your podcast place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and leave us all the good five-star reviews. You can also find this recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m., unless there's some issue um, <laughs> or something. Sometimes maybe we just tired, folks. We don't know. But um, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on uh, the YouTube talk, dot, on YouTube.com slash The Click Nation and the Comic Book Chronicles uh, Twitch page, which is twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and hit the notification bell to uh, get notified when we go on the air. Yes, and if we get like 25-ish more people on the uh, Combo Chronicles uh, Twitch page, we can upload some stuff that we've been talking about that y'all probably don't know anything about. Unless y'all go into the archives of CSPN. But nevertheless, we can up- upload them to, to Twitch. So I'm just saying, help us out if you can. Um, I think that's it, actually. So let us be out. Uh, this has been the Comic Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. Wakanda forever!